Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Y'all a brew heads? Yeah, we brew heads. So pour a glass of craft beer. We can do this. Yeah. What's good, y'all? This is C Certified Brewhead, and welcome to episode 123 of Beer and the Podcast Adjunct Series. We're in the building with a special episode tonight. As always, we've been uh, on a run with guests and uh, super excited to learn a lot more about this brewery and drink some fire crispies tonight. But of course, as always, this episode is sponsored by our good friends at Manscaped. Now, this ad read, this is a funny one. So spring has sprung, well, almost, and our friends at Manscaped have the best tools for some spring cleaning. They've already helped you tidy up all the nooks and crannies of your buddy's basement, but this year, Manscaped can help you get the perfect presentation of that beautiful face with that new beard hedger pro kit, yes. Make sure you look your best this spring by using code BAOS to get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. What a deal. So, uh, you know, I would imagine most people watching or listening either have a beard or know someone with a beard so you know it's kind of relevant so it is time to tame your mane with the beard hedger pro kit the sun is peeking back out which means you have to show your face in daylight again so to use the kit make sure that your scruff looks award-winning whether you got a glorious beard flow or some smooth sleek cheeks you know the vibes the kit starts off with the beard hedger a waterproof cordless trimmer with a rotary wheel this little guy here uh where it just moves the the top thing uh the what's it called the guard uh with rotary wheel that gives you 20 hair cutting length which is pretty handy all with one guard so no more messy drawers full of add-ons because that is annoying it also comes with titanium coated t-blades which you can't quite see through the thing uh that are tough on hair but smooth on your face leading to a single stroke efficiency that brings satisfaction one stroke at a time the beard hedger is a high-tech piece of art in travel size package with this cool little kit which i really enjoy and it's like hard so it can't get brock up in your luggage uh with long-lasting battery universal charging and a strong motor uh, next, the kit has the liquid goods to make you feel good. Starting with the beard shampoo and conditioner, which is pretty dope. Um, excited to try this. I just use soap right now, but uh, I'm about to bust this open once this campaign finishes because you don't want to see used products. We've got the conditioner and the shampoo. Uh, and you can't tra- you can't treat your beard like you treat your pubes, guys. All right, seriously. That's why the kit has a special shampoo and conditioner, specially designed to moisturize. Moisturize, reduce ingrown hairs, and replenish your beard's natural oils and promote beard health. The Pro Kit also has Manscaped's beard oil. The nutrient-infused oil relieves dryness both on the beard and the skin beneath uh, while adding a little shimmer on this little stuff. It's a small guy. You don't need much. Uh, and shine to liven up the look. Now, you can cap that off with the Beard Balm. I very much like Beard Balm too, actually. I'm not sure which I prefer, but Beard Balm, a little smaller thing there uh, that promotes a pomade that shapes, styles, and moisturizes, bringing the amazing scent of fresh eucalyptus, rosemary, and lavender essential oils. Not to mention the Beard Hedger Pro Kit also comes with three free gifts, a beard brush, comb, and scissors to ensure your beard is ready to impress. It's the little brush. Kind of looks like the little, like a shoe cleaner thing. I like it because it kind of scratches my face, my skin underneath, whilst like freshening that bad boy up. I love it. So guys, saves 20% off and get free shipping uh, with the code BAOS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code BAOS at manscaped.com. Focus on the face and use the Beard Hedger Pro Kit for the cleanest look in the game. So uh, also, do you know what? I just want to quickly shout out my friend Christina in Calgary. So she puts this calendar out. She runs uh, Exhale Brewery. So she puts this calendar out like a charity calendar every year called uh, Balls, Boobs, and Beer. So it's basically exactly that, like tasteful nudes, like you can't see the bits really. Um, pretty fun. I don't know if I want to show it in case there's something that's inappropriate and they take the damn video down, but this is pretty cool. You can uh, you can grab this bad boy. 
I don't have, does it have the fucking website on there? I just wanted to shout it out because she's, I've had this, she sends it to me every year and I love it. It's, it's really clever and uh, people seem to really enjoy it. So shout out to Christina, make sure you go support that because I think it all goes to charity. So uh, this evening we are heading out to Cambridge, Ontario with a brewery that uh, I've heard a lot about. I've uh, tried a couple of drops from them, uh, but I'm very excited to get the full story. Like I was saying, so guys, please welcome Matt and Mike of Farm League Brewery. And of course, Nathan from Nathan Does Beer helping me out. Welcome everybody. How's everyone doing? How's it going? Mate. What up? How you guys doing? Chilling, glorious, happy to be here. Welcome, fellas. And Nathaniel, it's always a pleasure to see that beautiful face of yours, mate. Always good to be here. Welcome, so, fellas. Yes. Um, so I'm super excited to get into this. Thanks man. for having us. Oh, genuine pleasure. I feel like I've heard more and more about you guys as time's gone on. Uh, I've seen you guys, you know, doing a bunch of collabs um, that I keep seeing pop up. I feel like, you know, you're, you guys are really doing some stuff and I'm, I'm very excited to to get into the beers. And, and we were talking about it earlier. You guys have sort of chosen a pretty like eclectic, interesting lineup for us tonight. Um, definitely Crispy Boy Forward, which is something that Nate and I appreciate very, very much. So... Let's get into that first beer, shall we? And then we can uh, get into yapping. Let's do it. Let's do All it. Right. Sounds good to me. Tell us about this one, fellas. Ooh, Mike, Matt, do you want to start or do you want me to, uh, you want me to take the reins? Give the down low there, Mike. All righty. So, uh, yeah, totally. So, uh, Holler Lager. This is yes. our, uh, you know, basically our ode to uh, the beer-flavored beer. You know, <laughs> it's... Uh, Breezy drinking, uh, corn-based lager, uh, so you know finishes pretty dry. Uh, you know, a nice, nice little subtle sweetness there. Uh, not too bitter, kind of treads that you know happy, uh, happy middle ground between you know a flavorful, flavorful lager, but something you can just crush six of. Uh, and you know, we've, with this beer, we really like to go for that macro style and try to you know try to capture a bit of that market, uh, you know, especially, uh, you know, Cambridge, it's a little bit more, a uh, little more blue collar, uh, mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of a working class town and it's, it's kind of a working class beer, you know? I like that working class yeah. beer. It's a good episode name. Yeah. We want to make a beer that people can just smash and at the brewery, we want something that, you know, anyone can enjoy from, you know, anywhere. So you come in and get a, if you're with your dad, if you're with your cousin, you're with your mom whatever it may be there's uh you know everything on the board but a holler lager is a favorite super nice easy drinking clean crushable and with the beers we gave tonight we just wanted to give you guys the beer we're drinking these days and the beers that we really love so this is probably top of the list when it comes to what we drink at the brewery most often you know 4.8 um lets you make it through the brew day okay without getting too sleepy (laughs) so uh it's a good one for that, and uh, yeah, man, it's a it's a it's a favorite at the brewery, and we're we're really stoked to uh, have you guys try it, mate. I am uh, I am amped, fellas. Welcome again. Cheers, pleasure. Cheers, cheers. cheers. Thank you. Prost. Oh wow, that's great. Beautiful can art too, man. So clean. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um. I love the description there, uh, Mike. That's that's money. Everything you said, that's exactly what I'm getting here. It's like a nice, like you said, corn-based macro-style lager without all the things that we don't like about them things. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, we went for the uh, 
the right way to brew a macro style beer and hope to hit that middle ground between, you know, flavorful and easy drinkingness, which, uh, which we're stoked about. We make more of this beer than anything else at the brewery. So it's nice that we're, we're super proud of it because at every brew day we can be happy. It's coming out of the tank. You know what I mean? How, how, yeah. I'm not surprised. Oh, this is going to be dangerous. I have a problem on the pods. Like I forgot to say to you guys earlier, you don't have to finish all the beers. Cause you know, about two hours, four beers. It's, it's a lot. Um, so sometimes I, I, you know, drink them and I finish like half and I'll finish them all afterwards. The problem with this for me, oh, I'm going to, I'm, I'm, it's going to be a night. This is glorious. I'm not going to be able to stop drinking this bad boy. This is really fantastic, man. I feel like sometimes when Thank you. people Thank you. attempt this type of beer, and I think this is a very respectable style to, to go for, for exactly the reasons that you said. Um, I've had some good ones. I've had some ones that may have slightly missed the mark, but I feel like this is this is like money. It's there's, it's it's that you cannot hide behind anything in in this beer. Um, so you guys have really like delivered. I don't know if you have any thoughts on this one, Nate, as well. Yeah, uh, what I'm uh, what I'm finding with this one, like you were saying, with the like with the corn edition, there, it's uh, like it's got it does have a bit of sweetness to it that you might not, like that you might not find in a lot of craft lagers. But I find that the uh, like more aggressive carbonation cuts through that really quickly, so it's not like so there's not like lingering sweetness on uh, like on the palate, and it's finishing nice and crisp. And uh, you know, like you're saying, at four, like at four point eight, this is a real, real easy crusher, and it's uh, like it's going down super easy. I like this. Right on. I like that you said that, Nate. That the sweetness is cut by the uh, the carbonation. And I think that's exactly what it is because I noticed the sweetness. And it, that isn't. It can go either way, but I think this is this is if that's the reason why. I don't know if you guys had any uh, thoughts on that. As far as is that accurate? Is that sort of what would balance that sort of sweetness out, which is obviously expected of the style? I'll I'll, I'll give um, a quick yeah, two cents yeah, and I, like I, jump in with, uh, on the specifics a little bit. But for us, it was super important when we came out with you know a lager. Um, it was one of our first beers we ever made, but it was super important not to fall into the, like, how I find most craft lagers, a little malty, a little bitter, which is great in a lot of ways. And, and I love those beers, um, all the time, but when you're trying to reach the audience of anyone walking through the door, we wanted to, you know, knock those two sides of the equation down a little bit and, and bring that sweetness that kind of mirrors something that's a little bit more familiar for, the everyday beer drinker um, with the corn, and then I mean that's a good point about the carbonation. It definitely does give it a nice a nice balance to it. But uh, yeah, the the importance of this beer was getting something, you know, relatively clear and pale, um, easy drinking, and not fall into the, you know, beers that people pick up at you know their local retailer or whatever it may be, and and see lager on the front of it and, and bring it home, and then get disappointed when they're not met with something that they're a little bit more familiar with from the, the bigger world, the beer. So, um, yeah, stoked. You guys like it, Mike, uh, any, any specifics you want to jump on the beer? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, th th this beer really was made with, you know, sort of crushability in mind. Um, and, uh, you know, yeah, I, I find that that, that carbonation does kind of help with, uh, you know, the way that it goes down, it, it doesn't really coach your palate, stick to your tongue, which is just, uh, you know, pretty, pretty smooth ride all the way down. Um, and I mean, yeah, the, the addition of the corn, uh, you know, nice, gives it a really nice, like pale color clarity. Um, yes. We, uh, it, it, it's, it's, it really is a labor of love. 
you know, with, with a beer like this. I mean, it's, you know, by far the, uh, the longest resident of any of our fermenters. Uh, you know, the, you know, it's, it's the only beer that we filter. Uh, so, you know, like just taking the extra time as well to, you know, really try and shine it up and make it as bright as we can. Uh, and really just as, as approachable, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's the kind of beer that, you know, you just go into a bar and say, Hey, I want a beer. And this is, you know, this is kind of what we envisioned with, uh, you know, with, the, with, with Holler. That's great, man. I can see you bring up the label too, which is, which is dope because it's a, it's a recent redesign on the label beforehand. It just said Farmly brewing in the same style on the front, then Holler lager at the bottom. And uh, this is our first beer to go the LCBO. So that was on shelves and we had everyone coming into the shop asking for the farm league brewing thinking that the name of the beer was the thing on the front and then not really paying attention to the, the holler lager on the bottom. So we just right. kind of flipped that to make it a little bit more stand out from uh, the brewery itself. So now it, it reads a little bit better on the shelf. So I'm, I'm glad you like the label because that was uh, a, a recent and intentional change. So I'm happy that's working out. That's dope. I feel like it's, it comes, I really like the, um, I like the feel of the, um the actual label itself and the metallic kind of with the silver and the red it's it's screen it's it kind of like you tells the story of what the beer is like you look at this and i would probably infer from this that this is what's in the can like this style of beer is what's it and i feel like it also you know like craft beer can typically be you know a little more colorful i guess which doesn't speak to the demo that you guys are going after with this beer being that it sounds like you're really going after the person that would might, you know, consider a switch from their regular macro that they, they probably just drink, you know, without even thinking about. So you'd look at something like this. It's not too scary for them. It's like, looks classy and clean and, and somewhat it's like familiar without being the same as the other stuff. So it's sure. like, it's, it's great. Like the whole, like, you know, uh, cohesive, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I can't think of it, but the whole effort, um, I think it works really well, guys. This is awesome. It definitely feels like an LCBO product. That's sick. Oh, and the the gold cap, classy. Touch. Yeah, the gold, classy. the gold yeah, cap is nice classy. Touch. <laughs> I feel like that with. Go ahead. Go on. I was just gonna say with the with the with the style of it, like you mentioned, it's kind of like when you look at a shelf at you know LCBO retailers or even at your own craft brewery, you're looking through the fridges and the shelves, and there's a lot of loudness to it, and and that's the style that a lot of people choose. But with this beer, it kind of reverses that and is that like kind of simple beacon of hope of just like a beer you can grab and take home and, and have no worries about so that was kind of the the thought process behind the you know red and white clear clean kind of look to it so like it stands out kind of in the reverse way rather than being loud on the shelf it's really simple and yeah kind of like you said tells the story of what's in the can and uh you know for for my dad who was uh, ontario's largest coors light drinker um, the man has fully switched over to holler longer. So, uh, if that's not a testament, then I don't know what it is. So <laughs> that's perfect. Yeah. That's, that's a win there. That's exactly For what sure. it's good to know that it already works. So before you've even sort of, uh, you know, had enough data, I imagine from LCBOs yet, you already got the, uh, the test case. Love it. That's fantastic boys. Very, very cool. So I'd love to get the story. Um, from both you guys as far as like how you both discovered craft beer and sort of where that came from and how that led to the brewery opening up whoever wants to start yeah mikey if you want to start on your uh your little road to craft beer and then we can we can meet in the middle 
when our paths crossed, if you'd like, you can you can tell your little bit first, and then I'll I'll jump into my history, and then there's a there's a clear intersection with us uh, before the creation of the brewery, so we can probably merge at that point. <laughs> All right, yeah, that sounds oh, good to me. Uh, one second, so, man. Yeah, one second, Mike. Kind of started. The your audio has gone kind of wild. It sounds like a robot all of a sudden. Oh, shit. Yeah, do you want to maybe maybe just see if taking the headphones out um, works? Yeah, just to ch- to try that. I, I, How's that? Can you guys hear me? Is that okay? That's perfect. That's perfect. All right, crystal clear. Crystal clear. I don't know what happened. I'm uh, I'm living out in the country here. So, uh, (laughs) you know, we have one internet provider. There's no options and uh, they're not exactly the most reliable, but doing what we can. No sweat. I appreciate it. So, yeah. So my, my love affair with, uh, with craft beer probably started, uh, I guess pretty, pretty close to 10 years ago. Uh, You know, I, working in, working in second year college over the summer, you know, go over to my buddy's place and he's like, Hey, you want a beer? And I was like, you know, expecting your most Canadian or whatever. Uh, and it was actually a Muskoka detour back in the day. And like that, you know, had one step and it was just kind of like that light went off of, Oh, like this is, this is pretty good. You know, actually the kind of the first beer I enjoyed drinking. Um, meanwhile, I was taking uh, microbiology school. So that was kind of, you know, where I got almost like a backdoor entry into the whole craft beer world of, you know, finding a, finding an interest and, uh, and a passion in food science, um, you know, fermentate, you know, fer- fermented foods uh, specifically, you know, like kombucha, bread, you know, beer, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, got a, got a homebrew kit for Christmas and then that was kind of it. I think I did, you know, like with uh, an American brown ale, you know, like a five gallon homebrew kit on the stove and instantly fell in love with it as a hobby. Um, just kind of carried that on for, you know, throughout my education, uh, graduated university, thought about Niagara college, didn't really want to, you know, incur another $35,000 of debt. Uh, so I found a job fortunately working, uh, on the canning line at Wellington. Uh, so I was there and that was kind of, that was just kind of my end. Uh, you know, it was, at first I was thinking maybe like a sales position or something like that, but you know, eventually it was just a boots on the ground and, and, uh, yeah, that was, that was, that was the, the, the beginning of the, you know, the journey as, as a professional, I suppose. Um, I so if that was back in, uh, 2016, so almost seven years now. Um, and yeah, I've been at a handful of places where I've just kind of, you know, learned the, learned the craft from those around me and, you know, people who, uh, you know, were, were fortunate enough to, you know, I was fortunate enough rather for them to give me a shot. Uh, and yeah, just, just kind of cut my teeth, you know actually doing it every day, you know, sort of fully immersed myself. So uh, a combination of self-taught and I guess almost an apprenticeship in some ways. That's awesome. Okay. Then how did you guys connect? Yeah. So uh, Mike and I, yeah, yeah. Uh, So Mike and I, we both went to uh, the university of Guelph and uh, funny enough, um, I think we were one year apart and, and, you know, in, in a way crossed paths, but didn't for, for many years. Um, both our girlfriends were, were friends through mutual friends and we've just missed each other on different party occasions and, and this and that. And I always remember, you know, M- Michelle saying that, uh, Oh my God, you love Lacey's boyfriend. You know, he's super into craft beer. Like he's a brewer. It'd be really cool if you guys were to meet and that kind of went on for some time until kind of the this business plan grew with uh, our third business partner 
Colin McKinnon, who, uh, you know, is also from the area, grew up in Rockwood and, and lived in Guelph and connected with Mike through mutual friends. And we all kind of just like met together over this mutual, you know, love of craft beer and, and, you know, passion to, to try and potentially start something of our own. And, um, you know, we, we all three connected one faithful night at, at a bar and, and, and started chatting about, you know, what the future could hold and crazy enough, it, it happened a lot quicker than we ever expected for sure. Just given the circumstances of the past couple of years, but um, I'll rewind and give a little background of, of mine yeah, and then, then of the brewery itself. But uh, yeah, I went to Guelph as well. I did biological sciences, similar, similar to Mike and um, yeah, in maybe mid to late university started, you know, grabbing beers off the shelf at the, the LCBO in the boredom of, you know, James Reddy, Coors Light, keg parties that were, you know, always going on, looking for a little bit more of a spice to life, we might say. So um, funny enough, I think it was, I think it was a detour as well. That was my first, like, you know, nice. craft, craftier, craft oriented beer. And then I remember having tried it, whatever beer it was. I grew up in Burlington, so maybe it was Nickelbrook or something like that years before and didn't like it. And then there was just that one moment or that night I bought a couple craft beers and hit it. And it was just, it was just different. I don't know if it was a palate change or, or what, but it was just so much better. And then I'm sure as you guys know, better, better than most that there's really no turning back after that. And uh, went through all the, all the phases of craft beer into super, super hoppy stuff, like super old school, bitter West coast IPAs. Um, into uh, you know lighter stuff, into hazy stuff, into sours, fruity, and, and all back around. So kind of did the whole tour. But when I when I finished school, um, looking for a job for a while, worked at the beer store just down from from my parents' house that I was staying at in the in the never ending job search at the time, and uh, ended up kind of digging it. Like not the day-to-day recycling of the bottles and this and that, but seeing what came in and, and the different beers and, and getting to try stuff. And, you know, we used to make our, our buddies crazy mixed packs and, and whatnot. So kind of grew, grew love for that and thought I wanted to be potentially in the industry. However, uh, having done a, a bio degree, I actually was more focused in human health and healthcare oriented things and, and followed that path for, for a number of years um, before, you know, having a, a job in that field having moved around working in hospitals and and things like that and then you know kind of pulling the rug from underneath myself and saying screw it and uh you know having wanted to to jump into the beverage alcohol or or beer industry for some time left that job and moved back to ontario and, and started with a startup in in toronto doing sales and distribution for what was known as iconic brewing at the time which was more uh um an RTD, an early RTD company and uh, a beer agency. So we imported beers and things like that. Um, worked there for a number of years and kind of cut my teeth with, I, I'll preface, I do most of like the sales brand development and things like that at, at the brewery. So my history is a little bit more oriented that way. But, uh, you know, the, the ever-growing want to, to be fully immersed on the beer side led me to leaving that job and, and working over at Collective Arts for a number of years with some great folks and really learning, you know, the ins and outs of the Ontario craft beer industry through them. And, uh, you know, the world was grinding to a halt 
all our jobs were getting super weird and you know the the craziness ensued of mike cullen and i you know banding together and coming up with this idea to potentially start a brewery so that's that's kind of where the the whole brewery story starts after uh you know having a couple beers with those those lads uh an old friend calling to mind from university that we both love craft beer and uh a familiar friend, Mike, that I, I was unlucky to have not met until that point. And uh, we got off to to a rock and start, which was awesome. So uh, what did we do, eh, Mike? We had many beers, many chats, and started homebrewing uh, some fun batches at your house, eh? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, incidentally, I think uh, the very first time that we actually all met and got together and, like, you know, really said, we're doing this, uh, we were at the real deal. And I'm pretty sure we were drinking macros. So, you know, like it, it really does come full circle. Holler is, you know, the, the pinnacle, right? Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it was just, just, just incredible, incredible fortune. Uh, you know, right, right people, right place, right time. You know, the, the stars really aligned for us, uh, you know, with, with getting the, the building that we got and, you know, all the equipment that we, that we did, you know, being able to, to pull everything together, you know, especially, especially during the, you know, middle of 2020, you know, super uncertain time, not, uh, maybe not the great time to be jumping in to start a business, but, uh, yeah, no, it's pedal to the metal. That's it's awesome. Been, yeah. No one ever us smart. We're, we're, we're fun loving and, and have a lot of good ideas, but starting a business that time is smart, maybe not, but Hey, we're still here. So it's been all right. That says a lot. If, yeah, if you could open during COVID, I mean, there's a bunch of breweries that, you guys included in that, that sort of, you know, got their start in 2020, 2021 during COVID and still going strong. So it's, uh, maybe it wasn't as silly of an idea as it kind of seemed on, on paper there. You know? Yeah. I think there was a, a number of, you know, finding opportunity in tragedy to some degree at that point in time, being as there were a lot of people floating in the industry and luckily for, for us, some, some real estate and equipment that was, that was in flux right at that time that we were able to somehow line up the two pinholes and, and, and go through the middle right at that time. But truly had, you know, had it not been that, that time in, in our history where things were shutting down and people maybe closing or, or abandoning their businesses or moving on to something else, we probably wouldn't have had the opportunities to get the things we got that have kind of become, you know, who we are and the staple of what we do. So, you know, thankful in a weird, weird way that you would never be really thankful about, but without that like turbulent time, it would look like a very, very different place. That's for sure. I respect that. It's uh, even my business wouldn't have probably taken off the way it did to if it wasn't for that time, which is sort of a weird thing to be, like you said, weird thing to be thankful for or, or grateful for, really. But you know, it is what it is. It's just one of those like sort of things where, like you said, stars aligned, everything sort of worked out. So love that. So then, when you guys were planning it out, you doing the homebrew batches. What styles were you brewing, and what did you have in mind for the? types of the, the styles that you were going to make you know usually breweries tend to have some sort of an identity sometimes that identity is you do anything sometimes it's whatever it's just mostly crispies and blah 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 like did you guys have like a vision for what the brewery was going to be and then did you sort of like just test all that stuff in the uh in the early stages 
For sure. Mike, if you want to give uh, some insight on the, the early batches, I can uh, give the, the early vision pitch, which is which is funny to, to look back on for sure. Yeah, I bet it is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I think I think one of the one of the paramount things for us was was drinkability across the board, right? Um, okay. You'll find that almost all of our beers are low, you know, what I would call low alcohol, right? They're under six percent. There's you know, there's a couple there, like some of the IPAs that are a little bit stronger, but you know, we tend to tend to brew a little bit on the lighter side. Um, you know, sort of favoring, you know, being able to have a couple of beers over, you know, one big bottle of barley wine or, you know, one, one big triple IPA that, you know, 11% and you kind of stand up after the first one, like, I don't know, you know? Um, so, uh, so, I mean, yeah, we, we kind of started off, uh, hit the ground running actually with, uh, our, our Kolsch. That was our, uh, our very first, sort of pilot, uh, you know, homebrew batch. I mean, I had been homebrewing for years, but, you know, it was a little, a little different to, to kind of have the guys come over for the first time and, you know, sit down and, and, you know, play, uh, play on our kitchen stove with, you know, bag, bag of grain and homemade mash tun and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, there's lots, uh, lots of attempts and, and sort of tweaks along the way. Um, but I mean, I think we, we really hit, 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 a hit a home run with the first recipe, the, the first time we brewed it. So we were pretty happy with that. And I think after that, we, you know, did like a session IPA, uh, which sort of eventually became, uh, I guess, birdie juice, uh, which is sort of one of our, our, our other projects that we're working on. Um, yeah. You know, a couple, a handful of like Belgian styles that, uh, I'm personally a big fan of, of Belgian beer. Uh, so we did like a dry hop saison recipe, which, uh, you know, sort of struggled it to, to find its way in the market. It did, did, didn't quite land the way that we had hoped with, uh, you know, with the, the general public. Um, but I mean, we still like to tread in the waters of, you know, hazy IPAs and, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. We'll do a double IPA every once in a while, but, uh, sort of overarchingly it's, you know, simple, you know, well-made, easy to drink beers. And, uh, you know, we, we kind of like to, to tread the path of, of tradition, uh, with some of our, some of our brews and, you know, follow, uh, you know, try, try and do as, as close to a style as we can. Uh, so, you know, we try, try to brew a little bit of, a little bit of everything. You know, I, I believe that there's, there's a beer one, right. So, you know, people who say they don't like beers, uh, they probably just haven't tried the right, the right style. Right. So, you know, try to brew as much as we can and please as many pallets as we can. Sorry, I'm rambling. <laughs> Not at all. No, all good, Mickey. Yeah, we, we, when we first started, the, the Kolsch was like, you know, I think the Kolsch style or like Lauderdale style is the epicenter of like the entry beer into, into the craft beer world being as you get those nice, easy drinking qualities of, of that lagering process, but some more robust, you know, you know, flavors, um, from it being, you know, ale in general. So that was like kind of a, a sneak peek or insight to our thought process and, and a lot of the things we wanted to make was kind of, uh, you know, tone the line on both those sides of drinkability, but also like, you know, great craft beer, but it, but it can be an introduction or it can be something that you just love to drink um, simply. And we we really started, yeah, with, with the stuff that we, that we like to drink. You know, at the time, I think we were all getting through, um, you know, the, the heavy, hazy double IP PA craze or craze or, or, you know, popular style, whatever you want to call it. And, and had kind of been exhausted by that, wanted to take it a bit of a different direction. And, and like Mike said, we, we never shut the door on, on any styles. Cause you know, truly 
I love all styles of beer. You can have a, a great beer from any style. There's there's well-made beers to be had at, at, at every single point. But uh, yeah, we just cruised with what we what we liked, and we thought there was more people like us out there that you know wanted to see some more simple, still with a spin on it, easy drinking, well-made craft beer, and then you know dip our toes in the funky stuff every once in a while, which uh, which I think has been you know a, a good trajectory for us from from the beginning. Um, but other than so yeah, it was Kolsch, big ticket Kolsch. Uh, we made our fun police hazy IPA after that, or maybe it was the the session into into the full strength hazy IPA into our lager, and then the dry hop saison RIP was uh, was called Leaf, which was the fourth member of our core lineup when we first started the brewery, and we loved that beer, but it did just not quite. You know, when we first launched it, there was a lot of uptake of it, and people seemed to really like it, but. I mean, at that time, you know, with our brew house and our setup, which is, you know, was oversized for when we started, you make a batch of beer and, and you got to be able to move through that in, in an appropriate amount of time. And it was just the slowest mover. So uh, we hope to bring that one back in a, in a seasonal style release in the future from, from the OG lineup. And, and that got replaced with the, uh, the what feeling good feels like wheat that, that we're going to be trying tonight, which uh, has found a nice home as a classic style beer that you don't see as much in the craft beer world, but seems to be gaining some popularity, at least in our region and, and filling a, filling a gap that was, was there for sure. So yeah, that was, that was the thought process with the beers and we've been having fun with it. The odd funky thing, but yeah, sticking a little bit to tradition and, and focusing on drinkability and, you know, makes for a diverse, um, diverse time at, at the brewery without, you know, going overboard. I like that. That's a that's a cool approach to everything. What was the what did you open with then? What were the what was that lineup looking like? When we first opened? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was the 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 lager, so all our lager, big ticket Kolsch, Fun Police, Hazy IPA, and then Leaf it was called, which was we called it an American Farmhouse Ale or a dry hop saison. So those were the first four beers that we had, and it uh, took a little bit of time to to gain some steam into some more one-off territory and things like that. Okay, nice. Well, with that, uh, probably about time for the old uh, for the next one. What do you guys reckon? Yeah, good yeah. to go. Yeah, I'd say so. All righty. So we're staying on the uh, on the OG train right now. That's kind of why I was asking. Exactly. So I guess this is what you were referring to. This is the big ticket Kolsch, and this is the low, uh, the label, I imagine, uh, Matt, that you were referring to earlier where it has farm leagues that are big and uh, yeah. the brand underneath it, but you did switch that up for the LCPO. And looking at this, I can see why you did that. Yeah. Particularly so you know, we, at the brewery is one thing, but no. Yeah, we have uh, labels in the queue for the other core beers to follow along the, the holler lager pathway where um, when we first started all the beers were, were the farm league on the front there in, in different colors and just denoted with the style on the bottom. Um, but now we're, we're diversifying them a little bit, keeping the, the, the simplicity of, of style. Um, but then big ticket culture you'll see in the near future is a, a super, a super cool metallic blue label 
um, with silver metallic writing and, and big ticket is a little bit more more fancy on there and uh, inappropriate. And then the, the Funk Police IPA is, is following that path as well. So a little, a little uh, juggle in the in the design, but I think I think for the better. And uh, I'm stoked for people to see that big ticket label because I think it's awesome. Yeah. Nice. I can definitely see that um, being cool. I know we're going to – let me just take the photo real quick. In the, uh, you know what? We can cheers. I'll take the photo. We always uh, yeah, let's do that. too much, and we don't cheers. Guys, get that in you. Cheers. cheers. Frost. Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. It's really fascinating. I was actually looking forward to having these two back-to-back because I always feel like it's really interesting to try like the similar but quite different styles. Back to back, and you sort of yeah. like, oh yeah, Kolsch, Macrolag is all the same. Like, nah, bro, like this is very different. Do you guys want to talk us through the tasting notes of this? <clears throat> yeah, fired up, fired up, Mikey. Sure. So, I mean, with uh, with big ticket Kolsch, uh, you know, we were going for something a little bit more flavorful. You know, sort of the next step forward from uh, stepping into craft beer at Holler Lager. Uh, so this one we used uh, some Vienna malt in it to get kind of a nice, like, bready sort of. Uh, malt backbone uh and then a pretty heavy dose of uh some german tradition hops just to really bring out that like beautiful floral character that kind of like sharp snappy bitterness uh that you know i i kind of envisioned with kolsch uh and it really lends to a very beautiful drinkability of the beer um you know it is as i mentioned a, a bit of a step forward you know sort of deeper into deeper water with uh craft beer than holler but uh still approachable enough that you know it's 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 not uh not going to scare anyone away very yeah, nice, like very very, very approachable for sure and uh, uh and really interesting uh, uh, like as uh, we were saying to have this uh, like to have this back to back because it uh, like it certainly is um refreshing and approachable but yeah uh, like but you do get um uh, like quite a bit more uh like flavor notes come, like coming off of it that like then the lager like you were saying you get that you get that floral aspect and um and like and some like some more pronounced bitterness and some of the hot flavor i don't know like i don't know if my palate is just like is just being a bit weird tonight but i'm almost getting a bit of berry off of it as well um like i'm i'm getting that somewhere uh but uh, yeah it, it, like it's interesting how much more robust a kolsch can like can even be which you don't uh you might not typically think of a of a Kolsch like that, I find, but having it back to back is really like bringing a lot forward. <laughs> yeah, I think it's like uh, you're you're gingerly walking up a staircase, going from from the last beer to this beer, where it's just like nice, nicely bringing you up to the next level. Um, but this one, again, yeah, I, you know, I don't often have these beers directly back to back, but that really bright punch is like a, a ray of sunshine when you have that first sip of this beer. And uh, yeah, you get those different pops of the floralness or even a little berry. You, you know, it's funny when you taste beer and you don't think of anything until someone else says it. And then it kind of like kickstarts those, those flavors for yourself. Um, but yeah, no, we're, we're super stoked on this beer. And it's even funny. I was at the, uh, the bent elbow the other day in, in Kitchener. Bent elbow, what a great uh, name. Yeah. It's uh one of my faves they have tons and tons of taps but they they focus primarily on um european and german beers and then with a good mix of ontario craft but um i had some kolsches there some german kolsches from from cologne and uh really really like saw you know 
so much of, of what we do with this beer in that with maybe a, a touch more, a little bit more brightness, a little bit more kind of depth of flavor, um, which, which I'm stoked about. It's kind of like a Kolsch on, on steroids in a way where it just like, you know, pumps those those flavors up a little bit higher than, than the classic version, which which we know goes for, for drinkability. So ours is definitely drinkable, but definitely a lot of flavor and, um, you know, brings us up a little bit here, which, uh, which is fun, but uh, I know hats off to Mikey on this one, whether you, wh- whether you put stock into it or not, we, we did a little trip out to Calgary last year for that, for the CBAs and this actually won gold for German Kolsch in the country, which was, uh, mm. which is a fun, fun little experience. Congrats, boys! That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. I feel like, I don't feel like that's any easy feat. I've been to the CBAs before. It's uh, you know a lot of stiff competition across the country. It's a good time. Um, it was a hilarious time. We had <laughs> it was uh, it was super fun. I mean, everyone's drinking beer and having a good time. What can you say? You know, it's always for a good weekend. I never seen so many. Like I don't know what they. I went in twenty seventeen in Ottawa. And they had, um, it was like at whatever, some convention center there or some hotel thing. And the whole back, you know, those rooms are pretty big with all the tables where they have the event. And the whole back of the room was just like one long table. And they had like, right, just lined up, just beers from across the country, like insane shit. I'd never seen people so drunk, like all industry folks. And I didn't, this, I was, we'd only been around for like two years at the time. So it was pretty early. So it was weird to see everyone that like lit. It was, it was a good time. So I imagine uh, Calgary would have been much of the same. Calgary's yeah, Calgary's yeah. A, a fun time, man. <laughs> I haven't been, I've heard good things. Um, Mike, but, Mike and I shared yeah. a, a, a closet Airbnb right by, right by the spot. So made for some, uh, some uh, difficult sleeps with uh, probably for Mike for honestly it's, it's not that bad it's not that bad sleeping on the floor you know especially uh, especially when you're well hydrated throughout the day oh that's amazing this is um that, this is that's awesome this is like this is a really fascinating beer I don't know if it's like uh, Nate you might be onto something with this berry thing here which is something I don't recall ever sort of noticing in a Kolsch. Um what were the hops again, Mike? The So the the main the main the main hops in it are uh Magnum for uh you know just for generally for for your bittering purposes. Uh and then I finish it off with a, a big dose of Hallertau tradition. There is a very, very small proportion of uh Ontario grown cascade hops. Okay. In the the final kettle edition, um, but it is like a nominal like ten percent of the total hop bill. Uh, gotcha. I don't know if that is like sort of the secret sauce, but that was like that was one of the ingredients that we used when we uh, did our first pilot batch. And I kind of liked what it was doing to the beer, and just kind of kind of kept it in hands off. Like if it if it ain't broke, don't break it. So uh, I don't know. I I think it's worked out really well. Um, yeah, I mean. It's, yeah, what like Matt said, whether you know whether you put a bunch of stock in it or not, uh, you know, it was able to bring us back a little bit of hardware out of Calgary. So, uh, and on top of that, uh, because it's brewed entirely with uh, German uh, Weirman malt, I got my coveted pair of red overalls for uh, you know brewing uh, a, a gold medal winning beer using you know their their proprietary grain. So that's it's it's kind of cool. 
I get to I, run around the brewery looking like Mario now. <laughs> I actually heard about that recently. So the we have this um Nate's actually wearing the shirt right now. We have a nonprofit called Link Up. And one of our applicants, it's just to diversify the craft beer industry. And one of the applicants is at the um the Ni- Niagara Brewing School. And he mentioned his goal in brewing. He works at Blood Brothers now, is to get those overalls. And I didn't know what he was talking about. So I'm just really, I know it's a little bit of a sidebar, but I'm I'm curious. So if you brew a beer that wins a, a beer award using exclusively their malt, you get the red overalls. Is that what it is? Yeah, I think it's, it, they have a different stipulation for it. I think it's like 70% of the grain uh, or more has to be Weirman malt. Uh, and it. I don't think it's all competitions. I think it's like just... Uh, like national based competitions. So like Canadian brewing awards or like uh, great American beer fest in the States or, you know, like that kind of stuff. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, they're, they're the, uh, the same overalls that they wear at the uh, Wireman malting facility in uh, Bamberg. Uh, and it's my understanding that the only way to get them is to either be given them by them as a thank you uh, for, you know, brew, brewing the beer or uh, to actually work there. So kind of a, you know, kind of a cool little, little souvenir thing. I love and, it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I remember, I remember years ago, uh, like working at Wellington Brewery and seeing those, you know, seeing some of them hanging around in offices. And I'm like, how do I get my hands on one of those, you know? And <laughs> so, awesome. uh, you know, That's mission awesome. accomplished. Look at that. <laughs> Early days as well. That's what do you great. Guys, how long have you guys been open? Two yeah. years probably? Three? Uh, how long have you guys been open? Oh, shoot. Okay, we've been open. It's kind of funny because we were open, closed, open, closed for a little bit there, but um that's true we would have started the business just about two years ago on the nose i think it was late february two years ago that we incorporated started the business and um took hold of our building and we're in the process of of getting our equipment so um it took until correct me if i'm wrong mikey i think it was until august it was either july or august that summer that we actually started like selling beer um in our retail yeah, shop uh, so we, july? it was july that we started selling beer and uh I, I believe august one was our very first very first batch on our uh on our system okay. yeah so system in, system in house at, at the brewery so we yeah we had a retail shop um, but our tap room wasn't open because we're still working on renovations in the tap room and we're still putting finishes and touches on, on the system in the back. And then it wasn't until September that the, um, that the tap room was open. And then we did our first full scale event in October for Halloween, um, which is kind of what we use as our nondescript, um, anniversary, I suppose. So the long-winded way would be um, coming up on two years, call it this August, between August and October, I suppose you could say. Okay. So that means you won the award pretty damn. You guys probably would have been about a year in, maybe even less. Just after. Just, just after. after. Uh, yeah. less, less than a year if you're talking operation, just after a year since we incorporated that. That's crazy. Very nice. cool, man. Yeah, that's really, really cool. Um, when do you sell, when, what's the, sorry, Nate, the last question on that was what's the, like, when do you guys, I imagine you would have anniversary, you know, releases and a party and all that stuff. When, when do you celebrate that? I guess. 
being that is, I know you're you're in a very interesting position where it was it's kind of yeah. almost that you're like in opened in a time when shit was vague. So it's like, what what do you guys like? If we're having a farm league anniversary party, when do you guys celebrate that? I think we did it on Halloween both like both times we've done it on Halloween. Halloween was like our grand opening, and then this past Halloween we did another big party with a band and a whole bunch of stuff. And Mike was cooking out bur- cooking burgers on a barbecue at back. And he was getting smoked. Nice. It's a whole story. But um, <laughs> I think we've been using Halloween as our pseudo one year, um, probably just because it's easy and it's a fun time and you can yeah. make a beer for it, do a party, which works. Um, but uh, I, I guess another, another thing that we did last year was our inaugural uh, festival at the brewery called Mellow Fest. We did that in early June last year, um, which we're upgrading into a bigger festival this year, but co- potentially using that as a bit more of the uh, launch off point of, of the summer and p- potentially some more fun anniversary things. So I know they're like six months apart, <laughs> but um, <laughs> either or we're, we're, we're leaning into for for, for parties and uh, not sure which one counts more, but, uh, but yeah, like you said, it was, it was that time where things were extremely vague and truly it was, you know, after, after that first October, November, halfway through December, I think it was, we got shut down December through January remember, yeah. and then reopened February just last year. So we kind of, you know, just made it to our first full year, of actual 12 month operation without interruption. So, um, you know, I think we're in a unique position to pick and choose some dates out of, uh, <laughs> out of whatever the heck we want it to be rather than follow the strict, uh, anniversary rules. You know what I mean? Absolutely. What a weird time, eh? Oh man. When you look back, right? it's it is so strange. It is so crazy. We're going to, it's going to be weird to um, look back in a few years and just be like, what the fuck happened? Like, how do we yeah, really? That? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, going. <laughs> yeah. Uh, can you guys talk us through the uh, like the name Farm League? How, like how you landed on that? What that uh, like what meaning that has for you? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I I think we all have our specific thoughts on it. So I'll start, and Mike can can follow up with a little bit. But for me, um, Farm League in general means kind of like the up and comers or the underdogs league, the lower level league than the professionals, which is what craft beer always felt like coming up was like the people doing it at home, the people doing it out of like a small industrial facility. And then now the people that like, as it scaled up, it's become so much more and so much more. And and farm league is kind of like an, an ode to that, you know, style of business. And, Truly not just in craft beer, as we've seen over the past couple of years, like the, the bigger focus on just small business and local business. Like that's the farm league of business that we're, you know, it's no crazy corporation. It's not people with hundreds of employees. It's, you know, the grinders and, and the grassroots folk. And then that's kind of how we operate and how we see the, the industry and ourselves. So it's just a name that kind of represents that. But obviously, you know, that's how I kind of feel about it. But uh, there was some early plans of the brewery that, that Mike can tell you about that kind of lend to what we wanted to be a double entendre, but didn't, didn't quite, didn't quite work out. 
Yeah. So, I mean, the, the original, the original idea was uh, our, our business partner, Colin, uh, his family has some farm property just outside of Kitchener. Uh, so the original plan was kind of to, you know, build this beautiful, you know, sort of almost destination brewery, just, just kind of outside of the city. Um, but, you know, due to bureaucratic zoning and, you know, council regulations of, you know, changing it from agricultural to industrial, uh, you know, it's, it, it was something that, you know, perhaps given time and, and lots and lots and lots of money for lawyers, maybe we could have pulled it off, but, uh, I mean, you know, we, we were incredibly fortunate, again, with the timing of, you know, sort of sort of making the best of someone's bad situation with, uh, you know, the Grand River Brewing, uh, you know, shutting down and moving operations to uh, Magnata and Vaughn, that building becoming available, and then uh, Aburb uh, selling off a bunch of their equipment, uh, specifically from their, their Kitchener location, uh, which was actually where we got all of our, our tanks and our brew house, our tanning line. So, you know, uh, with, without that that timing, you know, we might have been, still been on the same trajectory of uh, of building it out onto a farm, but uh, yeah, just just the cards kind of fell this way, and you know, it's it, there's something very farm farm feeling and farm league uh, in a, in a way about you know being in a 130 year old knife factory, right? It's it's an old building, it's almost like a barn in itself, but it's in the city. Yes. Okay. Oh, that's cool. I, I, I had a few, I don't know why I was thinking about it before. I went there when it was, um, what was it called? Grand River. In like Grand River, 20, yeah. when I first started um, doing the stupid beer selfie thing in like 2011 um, with my friend. And I was like, I'm just looking at the pictures on Google. I'm like, no, I don't know why I had a feeling before when I was looking at your address. I was like, I wonder if it's the same place. That's cool, man. Um, yeah. It's a beautiful building. I, I just remember we went to the bottle shop. And then sort of that was it, got some stuff and, and left. But um, this is, you guys did a great job with this. This is beautiful. It's, it's taken a little bit of elbow grease from, from all of us over the past two years. Um, yeah, it's been a, a, a huge labor of love and a ton of time spent, but we're, we're super proud of it over there. And Very cool, man. Uh, retained the original vibe of the building and, and not lose that while still making it maybe a little bit cleaner and safer to operate in. So um, it's come a long way. We've done a lot of work from floors to roofs, to painting to windows, green, um, green rooms still. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and still capturing that same old vibe from, um, you know, the original brewery that was there, which is kind of an OG in the region. Um, and, and not really wanting to tarnish that, but, you know, bringing, uh, uh, uh our own flavor to it and, and bringing our personality to it. So I'm really, I'm actually, I'm super, super stoked with how, how things are right now. And, and we slowly work away on other things, but, um, you know, if you don't look too, too close to see all the, uh, funky cracks and things wrong with the old building from, a from about two meters away, it looks really nice. So it's, it's good. That's all you can ask. Because no one's really going to know. It does look like a gorgeous space, and and and, and yeah, like like you you can forgive a lot of uh, like cracks and things like that when it's an old building, and and it's uh, like that's one of those spaces that like no one's going to come into it not knowing that it's an old building, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. And I imagine it'd probably hold a lot of um, uh, what's the word? Uh, like just like uh, it'd be a special place for people in the region like being that that brewery like when i like i always remember the grand river you know having like word art or clip art level 
like labels and stuff to the point it was hilarious back then but every beer label sucked back then and then <laughs> but the the beers for the time were, were always kind of solid but i feel like they were such an og brewery that to people of cambridge like that it, it must be really cool for them to see it live on through you know some young fellas like taking over the spot and doing some something that's still palatable to maybe people who used to go there when it was grand river whilst also appealing to kind of this new generation of craft beer drinkers with haze and and all the other fun stuff yeah people were really stoked that it was returning to its old form as a brewery and and to be honest hats off to the to the former owner of grand river who still owned the property even when like not to move the business out of there we we got the real estate off him he really wanted to, he was holding on to it for a while. He really wanted to sell it to someone that was going to operate something, you know, special in that space. So being another brewery coming in was kind of perfect for that. So they were stoked about it and it made the process a lot easier. And then people in the community were, were really, really happy about it that, you know, that there was going to be a tapper returning to form there and, and still beer being made in that location. Um, and it really helped us right off the beginning. I got to be honest, like having, you know, a previous host that's kind of an OG in the re- region, a lot of people came through to check it out, right? Just to see what was going on, what we've, changed, what we've kept the same, how the beer is. Um, so that led us to a nice little runway to begin with, with, with people coming in just out of curiosity. And, you know, you hope to do well enough to have them come back. But uh, it was it was a nice start and another, you know, turn of, of good fortune for us to be able to, you know, somewhat build on the blocks that were kind of left there already. So we were really stoked about that. And then, you know, it's been long enough now where it really feels like our space and, 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 you know, we do our own thing over there, but you know, the history of that building, not, not just brewery. I mean, we get people from in town bringing us old newspaper clippings from 1917 about the knife manufacturing building and stuff like that. And I'd, I'd like to, do something with with all that at some point, maybe maybe a piece for the tap room or something. But there's a ton of history there, and I mean Galt, it's a funny place, but man, it's it's got a lot of history in one of the one of the original original cities um, in Ontario there. So hmm. it's really cool to be a part of that and and see the you know being another new piece to a community that's that's starting to build up and and to become something special and and uh you know use the the beauty of the landscape we have over there so um no it was a it was a perfect turn of fortune and it's a great building and truly can't you know imagine being anywhere else and it's nice that uh folks were kind of behind us from from the beginning and kind of rooting for us to to keep that tap room and and that space alive that's perfect man was was it always, I mean, aside from the farm idea, did you guys always want to stay in Cambridge? We like, obviously like, um, Matt, you said, you know, from Burlington, Mike, you, were you from the region too? Uh, so, I mean, originally I'm from Barrie, um, but I, okay. I, I like moved to Guelph for, uh, for university and then kind of stuck around in Guelph for years and years. And, uh, uh my partner and I, Lacey, we live out in uh Puss Lynch now, which for those of you who don't know, is just kind of like halfway between Cambridge and Guelph. It's about 15 minutes either way. Um, gotcha. So, I mean, I know, you know, all the other guys kind of, yeah, Matt was from Burlington, Colin was from uh, uh, Guelph. So I think Guelph and area was kind of where we were initially thinking. Um, and I mean, we, 
you know, I think we looked at like a place in the south end of Guelph, which is a little bit more, you know, like new build industrial. Uh, you know, I think we looked at a space in Paris. We were thinking about looking at a space in like Mount Albert. And then, you know, we kind of heard through like a friend of our real estate agent that uh, uh, Grand River might be for sale. And uh, that was that was kind of, you know, it was like, well, it's you know, it's it's there. Let's take a look. Uh, and I mean, they. Th- it had been gutted. All the equipment had been taken out of it. Like it was right down to, you know, basically down to the studs in there. Uh, so it was kind of a blank slate. And, you know, we knew that the, the equipment uh, from Aberb was also on the market and, you know, we kind of did some rough measurements and, you know, we're like, yeah, I'm pretty sure we can make it fit. So it was just, it was honestly like kind of the perfect, the perfect marriage of like, let's, let's go for this. You know, there's, we kind of walked into the building and it was like, this is a once in a lifetime, like we'll never find another space that looks like this, you know, we weren't necessarily married to, to, you know, working and, and, and building it up in any particular city. Uh, you know, it was just when the, when the space felt right, that's, that's when we knew. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Mikey, was, those times were tough with the equipment, man. Holy shit. <laughs> I was about to say the equipment. Oh, there were some of the most nerve wracking days of my life, but <laughs> we made it happen. Spend all this money. And then if it didn't fit through the doors, then you're like, what do you do? He's gonna build knock down doors knock down, and, knock down uh, walls. And you don't. <laughs> no, because that's a whole other problem to deal with. So I guess that they, when they moved, when Magnata moved them out, they um they kept they took the equipment with them then, as opposed yeah, to yeah, starting yeah. fresh, which is I guess that makes sense because then the building, otherwise the building is kind of like stuck to being a brewery. When if you're the real estate yeah. owner, then it kind of makes more sense that it's flexible and like it could go to anybody with that, but. Uh, conveniently, I imagine they would have had the, the drainage and all the things that you would typically have to do in a brewery were kind of set. Yes. It was, yeah, it was like the bones we- of the brewery, which, were, which was great. It was, uh, yeah, that, it was it was kind of perfect because in the other spaces, we had looked those things that are brewery specific were yet to be done and a whole mm. different slice of a project as well. So um, yeah. we had a lot to do, but it, it at least had the flow and bones of, of what was a brewery, which was helpful in, in planning it out and choosing that spot being like, at least there's something done. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, that, that would have saved a, a chunk of money too, I guess. Cause the concrete and the digging and all that type of stuff. Uh, I've seen people do that before and it looks like a kind of almost more annoying than a lot of other parts of the. It's an incredibly messy job and it costs a lot of money and takes a lot of time to put in those trench trains. So yeah, fortunately, we didn't have to deal with any of that. And I mean, you know, the building already had high voltage service the equipment. It was uh, it was really just a matter of, you know, moving the the equipment from Kitchener and bringing it over and setting all that up, um, which, you know, of course, getting permits for for, you know, work permits for trucks. And, uh, you know, we three of our three of our fermenters were actually outdoors uh, in Kitchener. And we had to get permits to shut down the road for like three or four hours on a Wednesday in the middle of a COVID lockdown. You know, you can imagine the, the bureaucratic nightmare of trying to get a piece of paper filed and, you know, no one, no one's answering their emails and it's just chaos everywhere. Um, yeah, we shouldn't, we, we shouldn't talk like this was a cakewalk for you guys, right? No, no, no. <laughs> it had its trials and tribulations. I went to city hall in Kitchener and was knocking on all the doors and windows because no one was replying to us. I'm like, there's gotta be someone in there, man. There's gotta be someone in there. Just a security guard. That's all it was in there. 
I feel like this is going to be like in like five to 10 years, like stories like this almost like put the whole thing in perspective in a different way to just be like, there's people that are trying to start businesses and go about life as much as possible. And, and this is what, this is the shit you had to deal with. It's uh it's kind of wild, man. It's, it's a huge Testament, I think to, to guys like yourselves um, and your team and, and anyone who managed to start a business, particularly a physical space that requires uh, a lot of government intervention and bureaucratic uh, deals, like, you know, whatever the zoning and like you said, all the paperwork and blah, 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 like tax, man, tax. Yeah. Jesus Christ. You guys really cop it with the tax. My God. Um, <laughs> that, that could be a podcast in and of itself, to be honest. As a business owner who we just moved from Quebec to Ontario, so we're we're pretty happy already <laughs> compared to Quebec. It's it's pretty sweet out here, but you know, I'm sure I'm sure it has its uh I think when it comes to alcohol, it's a it's a yeah. whole other it's a whole other thing that you gotta deal with. So it's uh it's very cool that you guys were able to kind of finesse that and um and make it happen. It's it's really, really cool. And you should be proud as hell, man, like to get that going and to to have like a business, particularly in a legendary space like that, which I don't know if that's hyperbole calling it that, but that's my understanding of, of really what that brewery kind of was. Like one of the, there wasn't many breweries when, when they started. I For sure. It was, was, it was a classic and uh, yeah, it all worked out there with, you know, not without our fair share of troubles through that, through that process. The Mike saying the tra- the transportation of the equipment um, the paperwork and whatnot, the 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 build inside and, and setup was a far greater project than we ever imagined. Like, you know, being three new business owners, you can think these things, but until you're actually in the middle of it, trying to work with deadlines to get your business going, all had quit our jobs. You know what I mean? Mike and I both worked in the in the beer industry previous to starting the business and, and wanted nothing to do with like a conflict of interest, obviously. So as soon as launching it as, as a real thing, you know, we wanted to make sure that we were full in and, and doing the right thing. So, um, you know, that timeline getting tighter and tighter and, and, uh, you know, putting this stuff together, being kind of a monolith of, of a project for people doing it the first time. Um, but maybe a couple months later than we imagined, but, you know, in the moment, feeling the pressure of that and, and how big a deal it was um, lends us to now when there's problems looking back and being like, you know what, at least we're here. So it, it can always feel good to, to use those moments as, as motivation and, and, you know, help yourselves out through, through the things that happen day to day. So, so you can, you know, be thankful for getting to the position you're in. So, you know, that's what we try and do. Very cool, man. I love it. Um, is it am I am I preempting? I'm just looking at the time. Usually, you know, every thirty or so is it? No, I think or, yeah. No, I think you're about right. <laughs> I think I'm about on point. All right, boys. And we, uh, um, if, like before we go on, like, like goddamn that like that Kolsch is good. Um, there's been a couple of episodes that we like that we've done in the last month or so that like renewed my appreciation for Kolsch's. This is really nice. Kolsch is like an underrated crispy boy. I feel like yeah, we love it. We love it. It's probably yeah. I think it's a really under yeah. underrepresented style. Yeah, definitely One underrepresented. Oh, uh, yeah, Batman. Um, so we're going to switch it up a little bit now. Um, we're doing the Hefe? Yes, Hold sir. Right. Yep, beautiful. 
So this is a style kind of like what uh, we were talking about earlier. Um, this called uh, What Feeling Good Feels Like, which is a fantastic name for a beer. Very attractive label as well. Um, I couldn't even tell you the last time I had Hefeweizen. So I was like, I was pretty curious for this one. Uh, and I think as we were sort of discussing it earlier, you guys were saying that, you know, it sounded like you kind of feel the same way as in like, it's a, it's slowly becoming a more, I don't know, a, a more widely available style here in Ontario. And I kind of feel the same. Like I've seen, I've seen it more and more recently to the point where I'm almost like, oh, wow, another one, another one. So yeah, man. Um, I'm I'm very curious about it. Talk us uh, talk us through this bad boy. Well, so uh, I mean, this is our yeah, like you said, uh, what feeling good feels like. It's sort of our take on a uh, German Hefeweizen style. Uh, I mean, yeah, Matt can definitely speak to uh, sort of his his love for for this style. This is sort of sort of Matt's bread and butter. Um, I mean, what we were really going for was just you know, again, sort of that that classic. Uh, you know, very doughy, bready, uh, you know, almost like banana bread with that beautiful clove profile, uh, German style wheat beer. Uh, sometimes I do refer to it as, you know, sort of the OG hazy boy. Uh, you know, it is, it is in its right a little bit, uh, a little bit cloudy. Um, yeah. And goes down, you know, again, super easy, uh, five and a half percent. So it is, you know, a little bit, a little bit more robust, uh, in terms of ABV than some of the other beers in our lineup, but uh, still goes down incredibly smooth uh, at the end of a long brew day. Oh, I bet, gentlemen. Uh, I have a bit of yes. a cheers, 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 cheers. I have a bit of an obsession with Hefeweizens and German style wheat beers, and um, okay, you know, I uh, back when I was at my first alcohol job, we had an importing agency, and we. We imported uh, Weinstefan from from Germany, which is known as the world's oldest commercial brewery and one of the uh, you know I guess the original German Hefeweizen, um, and I loved it. and And it was probably one of the first times I tried that style of beer and immediately fell in love with it. And I just think it's so unique and and so awesome um, and so different and like filling but refreshing and like great in the summer but can also be great in the winter in so many ways. So when we were moving on from leaf as our kind of, you know, other European, you know, style beer, um, I suggested doing a Hefeweizen um, because, you know, over the years you'd seen kind of the, the rise and fall in popularity of something like a side launch wheat, which was kind of like Ontario's um, take on a German Hefeweizen. Um, and you just yep. stopped seeing it. And I was super bummed about it because I think it's awesome. And, you know, I would buy the only time I really go to the LCBO um, to get beers for the weekend is to, to try some new stuff that I see pop up online or grab imports. So I'd always go and grab um, Weiss beers from the LCBO and not really see new ones pop up uh, from, from the Ontario craft community. So I was like, screw it, man, let's make one and see and see how it does. And maybe we can kind of research that style of beer a bit or, you know, fill the wheat gap in the community where people might have import wheats on or macro wheats on and, and kind of bring the craft into that just because it hasn't been there 
too, too much. And, you know, a lot of the craft bars like to have their crispy, their hoppy, their hazy, their dark, their sour, and their wheat. And I feel like they were just bouncing around the same two to three wheats forever. So bringing another one in there, I thought would be really fun. And, and luckily we were right. We can't keep this one in stock in kegs. Wow. Um, the bars buy it up quite often to, to fill that, that hole in their lineup. Um, and I'm nice. super stoked about it. So, so this one has willed its way into the core lineup being that people have been buying enough of it um, in kegs that, that we had to do two, three, four batches and now become a staple. So uh, yeah, I love the style and uh, really, really happy that we're able to, to make one that I think is really, really good and uh, you know, fills that gap in, in the bars and, and stuff like that. And hoping we can get some bigger distribution for this one. It would be really cool for that to be in the LCBO as well and share with uh, more wheat beer fans across the province because I know there's probably many places where there isn't something uh, on the shelf to grab from an Ontario craft brewer quite like this. So, uh, yeah, that's my, that's my rant on this beer. I truly love it. Love it. Do you want to uh, – that's that's awesome. Uh, Mike, do you want to talk us through the – maybe the flavor profiles and everything for – particularly because I, I imagine – you know, the four of us got into beer when I think, um, Matt, when you were describing your journey, that was the journey, the color wheel and then the Belgians and then the, you know, then the, the, the tongue ripping West coast. And then it was the, um, uh, what's it called? Um, the, the, then the haze and all that sort of stuff. But I think the people who get into beer in the last few years missed out on all of that particularly. And this is like a, a style that people missed out on. So, I feel like it's worth going. I'd love to sort of hear the intention and a bit more about the flavor profile of this, um, particularly for those folks to be like, you know, who who came into beer when it was like haze and smoothies and pastry stouts. Like, you know, hey man, there's some there's some other stuff kicking around. It's pretty pretty damn good. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, the you know the 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 sort of the thought process behind it. It's, it's, it's a really beautiful classic style. And I, I agree with you. Yeah. A lot of people who, you know, in the last couple of years have, have found a love for craft beer. They found it through, you know, like you said, the fruited sours, the, the juicy, dank, hazy, tropical IPAs. Um, you know, there's like, I mean, Hefeweizen has been made for hundreds of years. You know, it was, uh, uh, I'm very familiar with the Reinheitsgebot. It was one of the original styles that was exempt from uh, the Bavarian purity law, uh, which, you know, as, as you know, for those of you who may not know, uh, listening at home, uh, it's sort of a, a taxation law that was put in place uh, by Germany uh, that basically stipulated that beer could only be made with uh, uh, malted barley, water, and hops. Uh, at the time, of course, they didn't know about yeast, but they wanted to save the wheat for, uh, you know, for, for, for bread and for food sources. Uh, but they did make the exemption for a handful of styles and Hefeweizen was one of those styles. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a really beautiful beer. It, it, it kind of strikes a nice balance as well for, you know, someone who like me might like uh, saisons and sort of that, you know, dry, spicy, phenolic uh, flavor profile to it. Um, so it kind of hits all those notes on, you know, sort of the, the subtle banana and the spicy clove, um, you know, the, the sort of bready doughy, uh, you know, 
malt profile to it. Um, but then the high carbonation, just kind of washing that all away and giving it a nice real quick finish and, uh, mm. you know, making it easy to go back for another set. Hell yeah. I'm getting all that stuff, man. It's, um, it's fascinating. It's been so long since I've had, man, I used to drink it. Like what's the one, um, the blue label German one. I'm having a blank. Just for blue Pardon? Blue label? Blue label. I'm trying to think. I used to drink it. There was a place called the Bel. I'm from Melbourne in Australia. And there was a place called the Belgian Beer Garden. This is long before we, I knew shit about beer, and it was sick because they had like I used to always get it, and it was a blue bottle, blue label. Started with H. I don't know why I'm having. Oh, uh, Ho Garden. Ho Garden. Ho Garden. Yeah. yeah, I used to love that <laughs> shit. Um, back in the day, like as a as a non-craft beer drink i just like trying fun beers like before i knew what craft beer was i always liked the european stuff so it's kind of giving me taking me back to those days um yeah like i always felt that in my head i don't know what happened but i always think of it like i don't like the phenols a lot that's i'm not the biggest fan of of some of the farmhouse stuff because i feel like the phenols like overtake it a little bit and kind of overpower it but i feel like you guys have got like a nice excuse me um real balance here nothing's attacking anything the spice is sitting just right the phenols are sitting just right like everything is just in in it's very cohesive and this is like a pleasure to drink which is not something i thought yeah. i'd really be saying about hefeweizen um this is i love <laughs> phenolic i love phenolic beers myself which might be not not a hot take but a little out of the ordinary um but again you know like you said we come from a a different time in craft beer where there was a, a lot more variety to style. And um, I get those phenols is really what, you know, I want this beer. But again, when you make something, it's got to be not just doesn't have to be true. So if you want to make something true to style, that's an, that's important, but it's got to be, you know, for the true, you know, vibe of farm league, something that's still approachable to, to, to someone walking through the door and not going to shut them off of style because it's way too far down the rabbit hole. So I, I agree with you. I think Mike did a, a wonderful job balancing it, still giving you the notes that people that enjoy the style really crave and really want to have and, and, and not hiding from that, but not going over the top where, you know, you're, you're putting yourself in a position where someone's going to come in and get their flight and have one little sip of it and be completely turned off because it's something completely out of the ordinary for them. So starting that balance is super important. And uh, yeah, love hearing that, man. That's uh, right down, right down the pipeline of what we're trying to do. So that's sweet. Love it. Nate. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. And uh, it's funny, this conversation has definitely been an experiment in, uh, in kind of how your, uh, like your brain and your palate can be primed by uh, like by someone else's suggestion. Cause when you guys said banana bread, how, uh, like how this uh, like comes up after the, like after the sip there, I'm like, Oh yeah, I totally fucking taste that. <laughs> and, and that's the second time that's, that's happened tonight. Um, Okay, I'm, I'm gonna se- I'm gonna segue into something else right now because um, I want to talk about uh, like about collabs and uh, you know we, like we've already talked uh, like a little bit about uh, like about how we like the um, like your can labels and whatnot and I want to talk about a, pers- a particularly sexy label 
um, like in your lineup. Uh, tell us about Greta Van Fleet and uh, and how that collab came about because that like because that's a very uh, like that's a very sexy label you guys have there, and I'd like to know the story behind that. Yeah, it's it's truly wild, man. There's there's a couple points to this that I'll touch on, but um, Mike and I are both like like as we know by now from from the beer industry over a number of years before starting the business. Um, our missing partner in this in this call, Colin had uh, worked at some breweries as well, but was mainly from the music industry. Mm. So he his bread and butter was, you know. Uh, tour managing, booking, and, and working with musicians. So um, as, you know, you, you start your brewery and, and you start doing the things that you do and, and you find your happy place, you know, we've always been trying to push the envelope in different ways. And, uh, you know, he really wanted to use his contacts and, and uh, you know, um, history in the music industry to try and make something unique happen. And, I mean, lots of people have done collaborations with with bands whether it be label collaborations or, or liquid collaborations or whatever it is but um you know we got in contact with the Greta Van Fleet management the band himself and uh I mean I guess this is something that happens a lot more in the U.S. with with music tours for bands and things like that because they had done this previously in in California and a number of different places that they had been touring through but in canada it was a a first of its kind thing where we created a beer specifically for them and and their album release and their canadian tour so um the input on that was to make a a golden ale to to fit the dreams in gold album release so we made that beer you know under direction of tasting notes from us and them and 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 finding something that was going to work with the album um, using that album cover as as the can art, and then truly doing our best to get it where it needed to go for their tour, um, which wasn't easy um, on short notice. Trying to you know figure out provincial laws and how to get things where and and do all that. But uh, you know what we can say is we shipped out a lot of beer and it, it made it to its home sometimes and. Um, you know, one thing that we always keep as a feather in our cap is that when they played, you know, sold out um, Rod Scotiabank Arena, I guess you'd call it now, um, our beer was there. And it might be one of the very few true craft beers that's been sold at that arena in the past, I don't know, ever probably, um, for someone completely independent to, to, sell, to sell beer at that venue um so that was that was pretty sweet um and then that led us into uh you know a project of mainly just home delivery and retail and and, and things around ontario um but then we had about what was it like about 2000 empty pre-labeled cans of this greta van fleet beer so before christmas this past year we got in contact with them and um wanted to do uh, a, a charity type thing. So um, we ended up uh, seeing through social media and, and, and some different avenues that people were making uh, beer candles with these cans. So melting wax, putting a wick in there, filling it up, letting it dry, and it's a, a candle in a can. So we pitched that idea to them um, to to make those, put them online, and then donate the proceeds to, to charity. And, and they were all about it right before the Christmas season. So we had about 2,000 empty cans 
Um, we turned on the pre-sale feature on our website and sold 2000 in about 72 hours, maybe, maybe 48 hours. Holy shit. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. And then we were like, okay, now we got to make, now we got to make some candles. So, um, <laughs> so, so, I mean, the things you do to, uh, survive in this day and age, but it was, it was, it was super obscure, but yeah. So we, figured out how to get the wax, drove down to Pennsylvania, picked it up, um, bought all the wicks and stuff like that. Mike and I test drove the uh, old pilot batch system with uh, galvanized buckets and, and wax to melt it and ended up creating uh, those candles and, and, and sending them worldwide. Um, being as it's not a controlled product, you can ship those to whether it be Australia, Ireland, uh, India, wherever. So there, were, there was orders from all over the place. All of that Amazing. came with a set of uh, challenges, of course, but it was a cool project, and uh, we pulled that off, and it was really fun. Um, so the beer with Greta Van Fleet was kind of a long-standing collaboration project for music and beer and touring, and and then tied in a, a kind of cool thing at the end to it, which uh, is leading us into some more projects that I'm super super excited about. Can't quite divulge exactly what's going on. But we have uh, a really, really awesome, awesome beer coming out with some really cool people that's going to be available um, a little bit more for the masses in, in the near future. So keep an eye on that. There'll be some announcements, hopefully sooner rather than later. But uh, it's, it's going to be something that's uh, another another big part of, of what we do. So we're really stoked about that. That's dope, man. Uh, excuse my ignorance. I'm a hip hop guy, so I have never heard of these guys. They got like four million Spotify monthly listeners and songs with like 180 million plays. So they're some they're serious, huh? Yeah, they're one of they got to be one of the bigger rock bands in North America. I, I would have, have to think at this point. Any ones that are hmm. current, anyway. So it was unbelievable and mind blowing to be honest. But you know. You, you get, get to it. work and make something people are going to like. And it was uh, a, a truly different set of circumstances, but that's what it's all about, man. It was super fun. Good for you guys, man. Like, that's awesome. And when you said, I was like, okay, they played at the brewery. And then you're like, oh, Scotiabank. I'm like, oh, hang on a second. So I'm like, I got to check these yeah. guys out. Yeah. Fuck, man. That's awesome. Um, I feel like I've seen you guys, you guys, speaking of collab, this is not what I thought you were going to go with the collabs uh, line there, Nate. Um, I feel like I've had beers from you guys that were collabs. You guys have done a lot of collabs in the beer industry. Is that fair to say? Or some, definitely, maybe not yeah. a lot might not be. Yeah, probably, yeah. especially when we were starting out, but yeah, it's de- definitely a, a good, a good handful or two of them. Okay. Um, if you, I'm, I'm trying to think of what I specifically have had or at least seen recently from you guys. Do you want to maybe just like touch on some of the the ones that you really enjoyed that um, that you've done as far as collabs? And I guess I'm bringing it up as well, being that I know you both are already in beer, so you had those contacts, which is fantastic. Um, but it's also kind of extra cool because you know you're a newer brewery, you know, a uh, couple years old you know, being able to to do collabs, I imagine, with some brewers that you respect and sort of that are lending you, you know, like even if you already had a relationship that, you know, like, hey, 
let's do something when you, you know, you know what it's like, you know, you guys now have been around. If there's a new brewery that reaches out to you guys and now you would be co-signing them to, to do those collabs. So it's, it's pretty damn cool. So is there, is there anything you've done that was super fun or um, kind of like stood out? Uh, I mean, you know, for the, for the most part, like, uh, I mean, it's, it's like asking me to pick a favorite child, right? Uh, you know, <laughs> which, which, which collabs that I enjoy the most. Right. Um, I mean, it's, that's one of the things that I love about this, about the street for all the, all of the awful problems that your industry has. That is a separate podcast in and of itself. Um, you know, there, there really is this sense of sort of camaraderie between, between breweries that, mm. you know, I've, I find in this industry and, you know, you don't really find that in too many other industries where, you know, we, we are competitors, but, you know, it's sort of a rising tide floats all ships. Um, you know, what's, you know, what is good for us is good for good for other breweries, you know, different markets. And, uh, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's just beer, right? So, you know, being able to, you know, just hang out with some friends and come up with something unique and fun that, you know, maybe you want to push the boundaries or maybe you have a, you know, a specific style in mind that you really like and don't get to make too often. And, you know, it's, it's always a lot of fun, uh, sort of getting to do those, those little fun side projects. Um, this is really cool. Pardon me. Uh, specifically speaking, I mean, I guess, you know, sort of a couple, a couple of the favorites that come to mind. Uh, we did a, uh, uh, a smoked Goza with uh, Powerhouse Brewing uh, down in London last summer. Uh, so it was like, like sort of like a, a luau themed beer. Uh, That's fun. No, are we losing mic? Oh, the internet. The uh, internet's kicking uh, mic. Pat and I, uh, the brewer down there, we used to work at Equals together. Hang out with an old a little bit. You know, it was, uh, I mean, trying to convince Matt and Colin that we were going to make a smoked beer. Uh, I think their eyes bulged out of their head when I told them that. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it was really, really well, uh, really well received, surprisingly, by the community. You know, like to this day, we still get people coming in and asking. They're like, do you still have that, that smoky pineapple beer? And, you know, I mean, may, maybe one day it'll come back. But, uh, you know, that's that's kind of the beauty of these things. That's sick. Yeah, when it comes to collabs, and, uh, I, I got this. Are you still there, Mark? Sorry, I didn't know if you're still talking or not. I'm sorry, buddy. Go on. No, go on. Go on. I was just, just going to say when it comes to, to collabs, I got to specifically shout out a couple folks that really helped us when we were first, first starting out and trying to dial in our equipment and get our first batches going where um, Wave Maker, which is a, a brewery right down yeah. the road from us, Yes. Um, we made our, our very, very first commercially sold beer was actually a collaboration with them, which was a, a grisette. Um, and, you know, we, we were still doing construction, but like it was taking so long. We wanted to, you know, people were talking about us and seeing the building and there was nothing we could capture there. So we, we made a beer with them and, um, you know, they were kind enough to, to let us brew a beer before, you know, having, having anything on paper yet, which was really, really cool of them and, and an awesome time and, and a great beer. Um, and then, and then uh, Counterpoint in, in Kitchener, which is uh, our good friend, uh, Graham, Graham and uh, yeah, small, small little brewery, tons of heart. And uh, yeah, made an awesome double IPA for, for our first, um, first uh kind of you know hazy haze bomb collab um with them that uh you know really helped us get out to the local community in a meet in a meaningful way as well um so 
you know, both of those early collabs were, were super, super important and just goes to show that whether competitors or, or, you know, whatever you want to call it, um, folks are out there to help when, when you're starting up a brewery and, uh, you know, definitely there is some, not a passing of the torch, but some sort of like, you know, someone starting up and if you can help legitimize their vision by putting out a, a beer to, you know, a, a wider audience, it's a, it's a pretty cool thing to do for people. And then, uh, and then the, we, we did a Dunkelweiss, which is a, a dark style of a, a German Hefeweizen with, with Nickelbrook over the winter time and, being from Burlington, um, they were my they were my home home brewery growing up. So it was a pretty cool full circle moment to go make a beer with them after starting our own brewery and them being like the beer that was at every Sound of Music Festival in Burlington or just the local craft beer you would see at the bars and things like that. And them having been around for so long, it was just like kind of surreal to be like right in there making a beer with our name on it as well. So those kind of moments are pretty cool for sure. I love that. That's what I was thinking of. They sent it to me recently. I haven't, I haven't tried it yet. I'm, I'm, it's been crazy, but okay. That's awesome, man. I feel that though. Yeah. That's super cool. Particularly like working with breweries that, that were impactful back in the day and, and for you guys. So that's, uh, it sounds like you guys have, have done a lot of very cool things in a very short time. I mean, working with a band that big, I know the breweries do stuff with bands a lot which is I love and being a band that that's it's not what I expected when I was like oh yeah cool cool some like localish band or some shit like no that's some you know that's some like serious stadium shit and then you know doing things is cool that are, that more on a like you know Nickelbrook are definitely one of the bigger regional breweries in Ontario and a, a very big deal and I they were one of my we actually had did a collab with that one right there it was a collab we did with them and that was huge for me it was one of the first breweries I ever went to um, so I, I absolutely align with that. And I think that's, that's pretty cool, man. I feel like that's really like a testament to either the, the, the product, probably both actually the product that you guys are making and also you guys as human beings to be able to connect with these people to want for them to want to do this. It's, uh, it's very cool guys. Like you should be like proud, yeah. man. Like, you know, a couple of years in and doing that shit. That's amazing. It's amazing. Love it. A hundred percent. I'm, I'm not surprised to uh, like, like to hear you like, hear you say that about those breweries and uh, counterpoint in particular, uh, like Graham's a friend. We, like we had him on back in, um, uh, uh, back in November. And he's like, he's one of the guys that put the, like that put us onto you as uh, uh, like, as, yeah, like, as kind about. of one, like one of the, one of the good up and comers in the, like in the region. So I'm, not surprised to hear that at all. And uh, uh, Matt will probably be chatting more after the fact because I also grew up in Burlington and Nick like Nickelbrook was my local uh, <laughs> back in the day as well. No shit, eh? Holy crap! Yeah, we'll definitely have to. We'll definitely have to have a chat and see uh, where we all, you know, had our roots and whatever. Right? <laughs> That'd be hilarious. And I went to uh, and I went to university in Waterloo as well, so <laughs> so I know I know the area there too. <laughs> Look at us, eh? Holy moly. Look at that. <laughs> Local. Um, yes, sir. Yeah, that's awesome, man. The I'm looking at the time again. I feel like I'm always uh, the beer the beer Nazi. What do you reckon? Do, shall we Shall we get into the the final one? Let's do it. I'm good. Yeah. Go on yeah. So this is great. You guys have really like sold me on on like getting back into half license again, which is very, very cool. So this particular style is something else that um, I was sort of ironically attracted to this style again. 
um, we used to almost uh, make fun of it. There was, a, have you guys heard of a ruse in Quebec? Are you familiar with that? Yep. So yep. Nate and I have a Twitter account called Team Lactose. It was just making fun of, well, we actually like lactose in beer. You know, when, when that was popular in like, what, 2017, people got like really mad. Like the purists got furious about it. So we thought it was funny and we would make fun of, people getting mad about it because it was like it's just beer man like just have fun with it and then it became a bit of a joke where it was like team whatever didn't matter what it was you're like team and then i started joke about team roos because it's such like an old school style and then i started drinking more of them and i'm like oh actually i really like this style so this is your gold red um one it's dope that you did on red ale in 2023 but two it's a uh, i imagine this is my uh my guess is a um a nod to the original Galt um, beers from Grand River. Cause I know that they used to call their stuff. They named that after the region. Is that accurate or has that got nothing to do with it? Uh, I mean, somewhat it's, I, I love that you explained it that way. Cause that's like everything that like came up to why we made this beer was like, <laughs> you know, a funny style for today's day and age, but you wouldn't imagine the amount of people that would come in our brewery doors and ask for a red and we're like, holy shit, like, is this like warranting a full batch of beer? <laughs> yes, like, it is. So many dudes are coming through asking for this stuff. Um, and like, I haven't reconnected with the style in a super long time. So um, we actually started this, this beer because we wanted to make a community brew with it. So we opened up our doors. This was actually started as our wet hop brew from the past hop harvest. So we got, um, which is even more obscure, but um, (laughs) we got a a ton of hops from uh, Good Lot Farms up in Caledon, which are are, are great friends of ours and, and, uh, you know, recent and and multiple time collaborators. But we brought all the hop farms into the tap room, moved out all the tables and put out a post saying like, hey man, if you're in Gull, come by pick some hops from us and you can be part of like the gulp red. We're doing a red ale because all these gulp people come through and want it. And we're doing a hot pick in the tap room. So it's going to be called gulp red. It's obscure, but it's going to be super fun. So it's about representing the community of people around us and having them come through and, and, and make the beer with us, which was super, super fun. Um, I guess, uh, I guess in a way it does have a bit of a, uh, homage to, to Grand River style beers because that's kind of what they specialized in, but that was never really too, too deep into the thought of, of what it was. It's actually a little bit more reminiscent of the Galt Knife manufacturing facility um, as the original logo of, of the building was this like arrow. So so it's kind of like a play on that original Galt Knife logo. Okay. But yeah, if, if you give us the down low on this beer, it's a uh, it's so fun to talk about a red ale on a on a beer podcast so. <laughs> in twenty twenty three. No, it's true. <laughs> and, uh, right? Yeah, you you're not wrong that uh, the, like that wet wet hop ales are even more obscure. But I fucking love wet hop ales, and I, I, like fun. I'm I, I like I'm one of the ones moaning every fall that there seems to be fewer and fewer each year. I'll be back in a second. I just oh, spilled I'm the beer all over oh. myself. You guys keep going. Yeah, no worries. Uh-oh, yeah, no, had an accident. 
Uh, yeah, and uh, like uh, as you were saying, I, like I'm now that I think of it, I think there was a Grand River beer called Old Galt, but I forget which uh, like I forget which beer of that there uh, there, there was. Very possible. Uh, not important. I couldn't. Um, yeah. So uh, so you you guys want to continue um, uh, like talking us through this one? What uh, like what went into this one and whatnot? Totally. So, I mean, as, as Matt had said, um, you know, initially this beer, the very first time that we brewed it, it was in collaboration with uh, Good Law Brewing Company. Uh, shout out to uh, Phil and Gail Winters and uh, Mike Brooks, most fun brewer in Ontario. Uh, but we basically, uh, you know, they kind of reached out to us. We had done a collab with them the year uh, year before. We did a uh, sort of check stop Pilsner. Uh, that we had wet hopped with uh, some of their beers. So when they reached out and, you know, sort of gave us the, oh, the offerings. Awesome. Oh, it was, it was beautiful. Yeah. It was highway, highway hop gnosis. That was uh, that beer was a lot of fun. <laughs> um, yeah, I love that. But anyway, so they, they sort of reached out and, you know, gave us, uh, gave us the lowdown on what, uh, what varietals were available for harvest this year. Uh, and so we had gone with uh, Willamette and Santium uh, and, you know, sort of going off of that, I kind of thought, you know, what's a, what's a style that sort of fits into our lineup that, you know, kind of fills a gap, something that we don't do too often uh, that, you know, we can kind of showcase these hops. And I kind of landed on a red ale, like a sort of nice, you know, earthy hop aroma, sort of floral, and then a, you know, really nice sort of caramel, very kind of, you know, a little bit sweet, not too cloying, um, you know, sort of hefty malt backbone behind it. Something that would kind of, you know, really springboard into fall and the, you know, sort of darker beer season, right? Um, so yeah. we brewed that batch. It turned out to be immensely popular uh, and was one of our fastest selling, uh, you know, sort of one-off brands that we did. Uh, so that was gone pretty quickly roll over into the new year and, you know, people keep coming back and asking for it and asking for it. And so we, you know, brewed a, a, a small batch, uh, sort of did like a, like a half size batch on our system. Uh, that one sold out a lot quicker than we would have anticipated, uh, actually to the point where, you know, we had to brew another batch. Uh, I'm scheduling a third one in the immediate future. Cause we, we, we can't keep up with it there. You know, there was a tremendous, uh, a tremendous, response from bars asking for it, which, uh, you know, if you had told me three years ago when we kind of sat down to start planning this out that, you know, one of our fastest selling beers would be a red ale. Uh, I, I would not have believed you. I would have said it would be the, you know, fruited sour or the, the lactose IPA or something like that. But it's, you know, it's, it's interesting how life comes at you and, you know, something that yeah, you don't and, expect and, to be. In, 20, in 2023, in 2023, a red, like a red ale, be, like being a top seller at a bar is go fucking figure. <laughs> It's crazy. Uh, man. Anyway, so, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just gonna say it's a it's a it's a testament to like some older styles just coming back, and I think people, you know, you bring them out, and new drinker, new craft beer drinkers seeing them for the first time, old craft beer drinkers seeing them for a time they haven't in, in quite a while, and just like that, bringing its own unique buzz for something that wouldn't otherwise typically have that. So it's been really fun seeing the resurgence of, of that stuff and, and being a little bit of a part of that. And it, it really fits with kind of who we are and, and what we do and what we like to drink. So it's, it's, it's nice to see, you know, you know, the sales pushing that forward to, um, to do more. So we'll, we'll, we'll keep it rolling while people keep buying it. So we'll, you know, more, more old unique styles to come. We'll see. 
Yeah, man, I love that. And I love that, uh, like, and I love that you're finding an audience for it. Like that's like, that's really, really cool. Um, so I know that there was something that you guys wanted to talk about tonight and that was, and that was an upcoming festival. Um, so now that we've had a few, like had a few sips of the red ale, do you want to tell us about this festival you've got? Absolutely. Yeah, we are, um, we're super, we're super excited. I'm just going to bring up the poster on my phone here. So, um, hopefully everyone can see it on the computer. If not, then it's all good. But, uh, yeah, we're doing a festival. It's called Meadows Festival. Who knows? Will this work? Will it not? Uh, it's not going to work. No worries. Uh, I can't figure look it out. Up, uh, look it up on your computer and share your yeah. screen. No, it's all good. Anyone <laughs> can, uh, Check us out on Instagram or go to meadowsfest.ca. But uh, yeah, we have kickstarted a, a whole new, there we go, Meadow, Meadows Music Festival. Check that out. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a large scale music festival in, in Fergus, Ontario. Um, you know, one of our co-founders, Colin, being from Rockwood and uh, many of his friends and family having moved up to Fergus over the years has become uh, a really solid hub for us. That, that means a lot. And uh, basically we are bringing, you know, a full beer music food festival to uh, the sportsplex there. Um, you know, we've worked really, really hard to curate uh, what I think is an insane lineup of, of musicians and, you know, focusing on, you know, country for, for the Friday night on June 2nd and focusing on, some good old fashioned rock and roll um, on the third with uh, some former, some former musicians that did the brewery all the way up to, uh, you know, one of my favorite bands in, in the country, the Sheepdog. So um, yeah, June 2nd, June 3rd, we did our absolute best to keep tickets to an affordable rate, especially in today's day and age with, with music festivals. Um, going to be great food, uh, you know, farm league where we're running the beer program there and uh, it's going to be an unbelievable kickoff to summer. It's a first, first, first year festival and kind of first of its kind up, uh, up in Fergus. So uh, we're really, really excited about it and put a lot of work into it. And I think it's going to be an unbelievable time. So uh, check it out, man. Check out our Instagram or check out uh, Meadows Fergus on Instagram or meadowsfest.ca to see tickets, timelines band lineups, vendors, and everything like that. But uh, we've put, you know, our heart and soul into this and I think it's going to be an unbelievable kickoff to summer and just another, you know, fun project to, to use beer to connect with more people. Yeah, man, that is dope. Like, yeah, like you say, you've got the Sheepdogs on June 3rd there and you've got Sloan too. Like, like, this, is a, like this is a really, really good lineup. <laughs> That's re- that's really cool, man. Like, uh, it, like it sounds like it sounds like like you say you've put a, like you know you've put a lot into this. This is uh, this is certainly no small feat. So yeah, would definitely um, encourage any like anyone in the area. That's uh, Friday, June second, Saturday, June third, in uh, like in Fergus. Definitely um, hit up the Farm League Brewing Instagram to, like for the like for the bill for that, and uh, like and then go MeadowsFest.ca for ticketing. And uh, ask, like yes. and more info there because that sound like because that sounds like it's gonna be a good time. <laughs> yeah, man, we we couldn't be more excited. It's um, 
the whole the whole place is going to be licensed. Um, also, tickets free for kids under twelve with a with a accompanying ticket holder. So any families are more than welcome. Um, it's going to be great times, great tunes, and uh, let's hope for for a great kickoff to summer with that. And uh, you know, just leading into to more projects for us. We're we're trying to do a lot, so. When things are successful, it goes a long way for, for us to, to do more. So we're, we're going to keep pushing the envelope with different things we can do um, from being a craft brewery. I mean, it's 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 something special. And, uh, yeah, anyone in the area, check it out. DM us any questions. Um, you know, we're, we're here for it. Super stoked. That's awesome, man. It seems like um, music is a – I was just reviewing the beer real quick. This is great, by the way. The um, – Team Team Red Ale's right here. God damn it! Um, <laughs> it, it seems like um, like I actually spilled this. Like all I had to change my pants. Like that much beer spilled on me. I'm an idiot. Um, good times. Never had that in the middle of a podcast. Oh, have I? Maybe one time. Been a while. It's been a while since I had to change my pants. So I got excited. The Red Ale. Manscaped dot com. Use the code BOS. Get twenty percent off your order plus free shipping. You know, you're fucking good to go. You don't even have to change your pants. You could leave your pants off because you're gonna be skate. Right now, I just want to do it out of respect for Matt and Mike right here. You know what I'm saying? Because you know we just met, but I know we're getting along well. But you know, it's a little soon for that, but we'll get there. Um, so yes, Team Red Ale all fucking day. So it seems like music is uh, is very important to you guys in the brewery. It seems like that seems a pretty, pretty common theme here. Like, where did that come from? Was that like a discussion from the beginning uh, that you guys were like, hey, we really want to make sure that we've got a space where we have live music or we're working with musicians or doing these events? Like, what's the sort of association with music for you guys? Uh, so, I mean, you know, that, that really starts – kind of starts off with Colin. Um, you know, as Matt had said, he, you know, worked for Live Nation. He'd worked as, uh, you know, touring managers for artists. Like he's, he's been in the music industry for years and years, just as Matt and I were, you know, in the beer industry prior to starting this. Uh, so, I mean, a lot of, a lot of the sort of his passion behind this is, you know, marrying, uh, you know, a beautiful space to come and drink great beer and enjoy some great live music. Um, I mean, that all kind of kicked off with uh, Mellow Fest last year uh, in uh, June of 2022. That was sort of our like kick off to doing concerts in the brewery. Uh, and I mean, we, we take big swings in there. Uh, we, uh, you know, following Mellow Fest, we had uh, uh, our three headliners were Boy Golden, uh, Jeremy Albino, and uh, Tara Lightfoot. Uh, incidentally, uh, Boy Golden and Tara Lightfoot will be at uh, Meadows Festival. I highly recommend you go and check those those two out. Um, but sort of following through that, we, uh, we managed to have bros come in. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar. They're sort of the side project of uh, Seamus and Ewan from uh, the Sheepdogs. Uh, so we brought in like a nine piece band, uh, you know, had them set up and we've just kind of ran with that. Uh, you know, we had Tokyo Police Club come through, uh, the Sadies. Uh, we've got uh, a handful of shows all throughout the month of March uh, coming up. Uh, Crownlands is on Monday. That's a sold out show. Um, uh, it's really too many to mention. Uh, you know, we have uh, the Dirty Nil coming through for uh, two nights in May. So it's, uh, you know, it was something that we always kind of wanted to do and, you know, be able to bring music into, into Galt and a place to go out on a, you know, on a night and enjoy, you know, some, some good beer and some live music. Um, but it's, it, it's kind of brought this community together in a bit of a weird way that we weren't 
exactly expecting. Like we, you know, we wanted to do this and we thought it would, you know, really take off and be cool. But the, the reception has been, you know, even bigger than we could have ever imagined. Uh, so it's, you know, it's, it's kind of morphed the way that we've, we've shaped our tap room around it. You know, we, uh, we've just installed our own, uh, like lighting and PA system, uh, you know, myself, uh, and Derek, our other brewer, uh, we, you know, spent a couple of weeks building a stage. Uh, so it's all these like modular panels that will move in and out of the tap room. And I mean, you know, at least a third of my job is just moving furniture around for the time, you know, just to try and accommodate in the tap room you know there's a, a wedding tonight so it's a bunch of round tables and then you know tomorrow it's trivia nights so we got to bring in the rectangles and then after that we got a show so take all the furniture out bring in the stage but you know it's uh it's really really been incredible to see you know the 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 space that we've been able to create with that uh, and you know sort of bringing live music together especially coming out of the pandemic where you know people have had two years of not being able to see concerts and you know buying tickets for a show only to find out that the venue got closed and you know the concerts postponed six months because of some government regulation but uh yeah it's really incredible to see what we've done with that that's awesome yeah man. I think a little bit of it came, yeah, from from Mellow Fest last year and to see the reception of the live music, but a little bit from from necessity as well, going through the the rougher patches and having to have you know programming to get butts and seats. Like our breweries, it's a it's a beautiful building, and and you know we believe we have some great beer in there, but it's no restaurant, it's no you know lunchtime hub with fried chicken sandwiches and and stuff like that. We have some some great food options from local vendors, but uh, you know, we found we had to do a little bit more to to, to fill the room the, the way we wanted it to. And and uh, shout out and hats off to our events coordinator, Jocelyn, that is the, the driving force behind everything we do in the tap room. So whether it's, you know, trivia nights or, you know, um, open mic nights or these larger scale concerts that we do in the tap room, uh, she's done an unbelievable job kind of bringing something new and fun to Galt. And like Mike said, it, it started working. So we just took off with it and we're all, we're all big music fans. And, uh, you know, coming from the, the wild mind of, of Colin McKinnon, uh, we started booking bands that you wouldn't normally see in, uh, in the venue of this size in, in this region. And it's been a super, super fun thing. And that's what led us to scaling this up and, and doing something special off-site in a park in Fergus and, and trying to do it big and, 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 and do it different. So, uh, so yeah, it's been, it's been another interesting, interesting road over our short tenure of being a brewery. So, you know, another, another thing we're working really tough, really hard on and, uh, really, really happy with, uh, how the community has responded to the shows in the brewery and hoping to carry that on to, you know, the bigger things in, in terms of a full scale festival. So, um, yeah, that, that's, uh, that's been the, the latest and greatest over at farming for sure. That's great, man. It's like, you've taken the, like, like a genuine passion and then mix that with the, the necessity and then being able to turn it into something like unique to see, like I, whilst I'm not super familiar with the genre, I'm a lot of the names that you guys were mentioning, I'd seen around before. So I know that's not a small, no small feat to have acts of, of that caliber uh perform at a brewery which is great because it's like you're sort of giving um i don't know like like it's making it like a thing like i don't know i think it's great that it's a thing that artists perform at breweries because 
it's just one it's it's an extra revenue generating thing for the brewery which is something that i really care about but it's just a good night out it's just fun like if you rocked up at a brewery and there's some cool band or whatever playing there like all right sick let's go like it's just i don't know it's cool when it's starting to like if you if you're getting not even just local acts but you're getting like reputable i would i don't know if it's fair to say it sounds like internet well international or national acts at the very least mm -hmm which is once again it's not small like it's cool that they would even want to do that if they're playing much larger venues for them to want to come out there to do it that's even cooler so i feel like you're doing the industry a favor by doing that and making it putting it in because i'm an i've been making music for 20 years so we if you if i see my peers performing at this venue I'm like, oh they're performing at cambridge farm league eh? like all right that's on my list now so then you'll get to the point where you'll start having these acts hit you up if they're not already, which I imagine they probably are, but they'll, they'll associate, particularly now you build the stage, like you were saying, uh, Mike, you know, you've got all these, it's all in-house. So you don't have to like, all right, now we're going to rent a PA and we're going to do that. Like it's, if you've got all that in-house and you're good to go, you're a fully fledged venue. Um, and that's very beneficial as an artist trying to book a venue as well. Like if it doesn't have all that stuff is a pain in the ass. Cause then you got to go figure that out. If you don't have your own stuff and most artists don't, I would imagine, at least in the rap world, nobody has their own stuff. You just go to a venue and they have the mics, they have the mixer, they have all the everything. So I think that's really, I think it's like an important thing and it's almost like an emerging sector of craft beer sort of the way you guys are positioning it now and the way you've scaled it up like you were just saying Matt, like into the festival i don't know this is cool it's kind of got me thinking a bit more i feel like you might have unlocked a a pretty serious not i mean not that everyone will have the gut like organizing a festival i couldn't even i've been organizing events for a long time and it's a whole thing so organizing a festival i couldn't even imagine the level of whole thing that that is so absolutely props to you both and your whole team for that but i don't know if it, it could even just be this whole thing that 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 like i said a new revenue a new um i don't know just like a whole section of craft beer that's like hey associate yeah. craft beer with music it's you know so they've been go seeing out. it more and more yeah yeah we've been seeing it more, and more to be honest it's like Good. yeah and, and it's 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 the scheduling like if you if you're looking for you know whoever it's 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 catching them on their way through to Toronto or it's catching someone after a show on their way to somewhere else and it's just like well why not make a stop off and uh, have an awesome you know intimate show somewhere unique so it's really it's really hit that mark. And, uh, you know, kudos to uh, yeah, Colin and Joseph for really pushing the envelope on that stuff and, and, and doing, you know, things that we, we didn't really think were possible in the space. But, uh, no, you're right. You start seeing that more and more, and it legitimizes the, you know, um, ability to do, to do that stuff at, at other small venues or other breweries. And, and it, it lets musicians know that, you know, people are going to show out for it and, uh, helps, helps, helps us in the tap room. And, uh, you know, wherever you're living, if I was down in Burlington or out in Winnipeg where I lived for, for some time or whatever, my local brewery had, you know, a fan favorite band or one of your favorite bands come through. I mean, that's a dream. You know what I mean? So it's sick to see when people yeah. come through that are fans of, you know, the, the music and our beer. Like, what better night can you have? I think you're also making a correlation between craft beer and music, which I think is important. If you look at the bigger venue, like you mentioned earlier, that the um, 
the Greta Van Fleet beer that you guys did was probably the first or one of the first true craft beers that the Scotiabank had ever um, uh, had on, you know, there, whenever you go there, obviously it's same as Bell Centre in Montreal where it's just, you know, Molson on the bat products. That is important for you guys to have been there and then now to associate I just think there's a, do you see what I'm getting like this, that association that a, a music consumer is going to a gig who aren't us, the four of us, we're going to be looking for that on the menu. So people who yeah. aren't us, you rock up to a venue and you're like, all right, what's going on? Like, oh, what's this? You know, or whatever you rock up at a brewery and you're like, all right, well, they got beer. We're good. And then they start trying it all. And they're like, oh, wow, this is interesting. Oh, a red ale. This is fascinating. And they start, you know, trying all this different stuff. And all of a sudden, these people who might just be Molson Canadian drinkers are now trying all these different, you know, fun styles because they're associating it with a great time watching some of their favorite bands. And then that can great, carry great. on. And then you're, con- you're creating new consumers because you're probably attracting consumers who wouldn't normally um, go to the brewery because they just want to see the band. So you're going to get patrons yeah. like punters, whatever, rocking up who are, you're just, you're, you're essentially opening the floodgates for a whole new group of um, consume, craft beer consumers, which therefore benefits the industry at large, which is phenomenal. Break, yeah. Breaking down the barriers of what once was like a gate kept macro beer situation is like some of what we're all about from like the way we brew lighter beers a lot of times more sessionable style beers or approachable beers through to connecting with music and trying to get into places that you wouldn't normally see from here is, is kind of all a part of, of, of what we're trying to do. And, uh, no, the music has been a huge, a huge part of that because yeah, what once was, if you're going to a concert, you're getting X, Y, or Z beers. And that's, what's always going to be on the menu, no matter what is hopefully not going to be the same forever. And, and, and doing something from even our scale can have, can have an impact there. And, uh, you know, that's uh, an awesome analytical way to look at it that, you know, I, I probably haven't even fully, fully fleshed out. But, uh, you know, um, the more we can get people, whether it's our beer or any, anyone's local craft brewery that's made by, you know, people with real ingredients and, and putting their heart and soul into it and, and can break down the barriers to have more people even give it, you know, uh, a fair try is, is super important. Absolutely. It's, it really is. And it's more just like, I hadn't thought of it before um, until you guys were sort of like talking about it. And then so consistently from the, from the, you know, working with bands to with, with the beer, then to the, you know, a few of these guys coming through the brewery to now that these two, you know, second year doing the festival. I'm like, oh, wow. Like I never really, I noticed, you know, brewery, like you met guys mentioned, like there are a number of breweries I can think of that do collabs with bands and that have bands play at the breweries. Totally. It's amazing. But I feel like it's this, I never thought of it as a, I don't know, like a, like a whole, like an opening to welcome new people. Cause that's one of the biggest problems in beer is we want new people and people who weren't previously exposed to craft beer. That's, I think the biggest challenge that we have. So music is a gateway to that. So it's, no. it's cool as shit, man. I love it. I just think it's uh, it's really great. And it seems, and once again, it's very like on brand and authentic to you guys. Like you're not forcing it. And I think that's like, I don't think anyone, if you tried to force it, like if someone was doing it, it's not really their thing. 
it's too much work. It's way too much work to do if it's if you don't okay. care. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Particularly the festival. I've done events for many, many years and it's never been my thing. I've never particularly enjoyed it. And I've always seen people, you know, organizing big events like a festival and just knowing the volume of things that go into it. Particularly a festival if you're going to from what I caught I came in at the conversation, like it sounded like it was just like a straight farm and you've got to bring everything in from stages, lighting, electricity, porta potties, food, alcohol, permits, blah, blah, blah. Like the whole shit. That's massive. It's so big. So I mean, like, you've just gone take it to the next level. It's very, very cool, man. I love it. I love to see it. And I hope it uh I hope it slays for you, but I'll, yeah, I hope I hope it. Uh, obviously, it sounds like it's going to go well because it's all, it's all has have been going really well for you guys. But I, I feel like you're just doing the industry a service uh, from coming from such a new brewery. It's um very impressive, very cool. I love it. Appreciate that, my friend. Yeah, we're we're rocking and rolling. You know, pushing the envelope. It all it all starts with uh, the beer. With, with with Mikey down there and uh, and the, cool, and the team, everyone working super 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 hard all the time. So can't appreciate them more. That's for sure. I love it. I love it. Was there anything else we want to touch on um, before we wrap this bad boy up this evening, fellas? Or we feel like we uh, we let the people know what's up. They're all team red hours right now. <laughs> I think we ran the gamut pretty good, and if. Uh, Anyone wants to pick up a, a tasty lager cold chef of eyes and red ale, you know, you know where to go. Um, definitely check out Meadows Fest. It's uh, yeah, the, our big festival that we're super, super excited for. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, I think we've given, given the fair shake of the story from, from us. Hey, Mike? I think so. Yeah. I think that, yeah, pretty much covers all the bases, you know, it's uh it's a little bit for everyone. It takes the village. You know, we are incredibly fortunate and thankful to be where we are and, you know, the opportunity that we have and, you know, keep, keep on rolling. I love it. I love it, boys. I appreciate you both very much. Um, let's get the thumbnail and then we'll, we'll wrap it up and then we can finish up uh, off air and we can talk about Burlington. So I'm going to take a screenshot. Do you want to hold up uh, some of these gorgeous, gorgeous cans? I'm definitely holding the red one. God damn it. Yeah. You know, the vibes. Need that whole lager right there. Yeah, look at that. Ooh, look at that. Just sexual. Oh, look naked, double fisting right there. <laughs> you ready? Yeah. Sexual, uh, gentlemen. Where can everyone once again? Oh fuck, Nate. I had you muted. Sorry before, because when you went out. Yeah, uh, you did have me muted. <laughs> yes, I don't know. You might have been talking and. Uh, and we're muted, so I apologize. Um, where can everyone find Farm League Brewing in real life, online, and once again, remind them about the uh, the festival tickets? Uh, so online is Instagram, Facebook, Farm League Brewing, all one word. Um, www.farmleaguebrewing.com uh, is our website. We're at 295 Ainsley Street South in Cambridge, Ontario. Um, and then if you want to check out the festival, it's meadowsfest.ca. Um, on Instagram, it's uh, meadowsfergus. And uh, you can also just jump on our Instagram is the best place to go to 
get get all of our links, website, meadows, everything else is 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 through that page as well. Amazing. And it's June second. June second, June third. June second, June third. Two nights of glory. God damn it. Um, <laughs> boys, thank you both very much for your uh, for your time. I really appreciate it. Uh, this has been really fun to to get into the beers and to hear the story. It, it's fascinating. I think you gave us like a nice run um, of what you guys are up to, what you guys are doing, what people can expect. And I know obviously there's a lot more than just these four beers that uh, that you have on offer, but this is like gives you give everyone a bit of a snapshot. Um, Nathaniel, where can everyone find you online, sir? Uh, so all the socials, it's at Nathan Does Beer, and uh, otherwise you can find me right here co-hosting BAOS Podcast or on the BAOS Podcast blog. All the blogs are at NathanDoesBeer.com. You're damn right. Um, everyone, thank you so much for watching and listening. If you enjoyed the episode, smash the thumbs up, hit subscribe below, hit the notification bell, goddammit. Ding, motherfucker. <laughs> I guess we're going to delay. So you know when the new drops. Follow us everywhere at BAOS Podcast. Check out the long-form audio so you can hear attractive gentlemen like Nathan, Mike, and Maddie talk about craft beer. We'll see you gorgeous humans in the next one. Cheers.